185milesouth.com. Smash that Patreon button. One hundred and eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? Uh, it is episode one eighty five from Woo! us. One hundred eighty five miles south dot com. We are recording live from a Costa Rican jungle. Uh, thank you for the Patreon money, people. And helping out, you know him, you love him. It is the best dressed man on the pod. Well, on other days, but today still, <laughs> still Dan looking dapper. It's Daniel Sant. Okay, for everyone out there, I'm wearing Stone Island shorts, Mob Deep T-shirt, and some Pata Air Max ones. I'll let you be the judge. That is still the best dressed man on the pod. Yeah, I mean, compared to us, I guess, but compared to society, probably not. Um, ben, it is also Ben Merlis, a.k.a. Ben Edge, a.k.a. Bedge. What's up, Ben? What's going on? And round us out, holding us down. You know who it is. It's episode one. It is the legend. Don't get it twisted, anyone else on the 805. There's only one. It's Joe Rivas. What's up, Joe? Hello, everyone. Yeah, man. So... For this special episode, we all got together, and we're doing this live, so I hope you guys appreciate it. There is some background noise, obviously, because uh, Costa Rica is a beautiful place, and there's lots of animals around. <laughs> we saw a sloth earlier. It was sick. I gave it a cigarette. It liked it. And uh, yeah, Dan, how are we doing? Happy 185. Happy 185, everyone. Um, this is my first time recording and hanging out with Joe, the legend Joe Rivas. And um, he's a lot taller than I thought. <laughs> we should say this. So this is wild. So in 95 or 96, Stalag 13, or actually just Stalag. Stalag, yeah. Stalag, um, coming off the hit record with Bailey. They played with Ignite <laughs> at the Showcase Theater in Corona. And someone took a photo, and Joe Rivas and Dan are like three people from each other. But they've never met until today. How about that? Yeah, and what's even crazier is... Ben's cousin Jesse is also in the picture. That's right. And I was that was his first punk show ever. And I was also at that show. Well, because you know it was an ignite show, Ben had to be on the stage, stage ceiling. So he was yeah. back balancing <laughs> the ball on his nose and a few other things stage in the background. Ceiling. And we're about at the twenty year anniversary of him getting bitch slapped at uh Posse Numbers two thousand two. Who who did? <laughs> Jesse. For talking shit on the internet. Um Oh no. Okay. So <laughs> Let's kick this off, guys. Sorry to bring that down. <laughs> Wait, you got to give us some backstory. No, no, I don't no, know no, this. no. We'll save that okay. one for the Patreon. All right. um, <laughs> Zach nard. always bringing it to the, the nard level. Nard level. All man. right, so we're going to talk some music on this pod. We're also going to do a bunch of your questions you submitted a couple weeks ago. Um, we are recording this on Sunday, July 17th, and we should say we're not in Costa Rica. Here in El Cajon, California, in Bert the Last Backyard, uh, one of the co-dudes from Safe Inside Records. So, Bert, shout out for letting us use your backyard. Much appreciated. Mega shout out to Bert. And the chickens. And you know what's crazy is I'm down here running the Super 7 store for Comic Con, and it is all Cobra themed. So it all ties back to Bert anyway. 
Dude, did you know there's a quail in there? No, I, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> More fun facts about the birds. Um, okay, so let's jump in to the music. We'll rotate back and forth, I think, between the music and the questions is the way to do it. I hope you guys did your homework. Ben and Joe, you had two hours in the car together. Hope you listened to everything <laughs> six times. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to talk about this demo. It is – let me go to it. The band is Echo Chamber. It's called Demo 2002. Echo Chamber, Demo 2002. It is on Bandcamp. It's also on Spotify. So You're 20 years off. It's Demo 2022. Demo right. 2022. Sorry, I'm in that COVID long fog. <laughs> and nothing is working right, guys. Um, yeah, Dan, what did you think about this? I think it's sick. Um, really hard NYHC vibes. Um, the recording has that just enough of that like reverb that enhances this era of like nyhc what they're going for so it that uh recording process as they went through that adds the uh the reverb and the um general sound that they're going for to sound like a band from that certain era is really cool um what i would say is um some of the shorter songs like when they would end i was thinking that they were gonna just go build into like another breakdown but then it rolled into the next song so it's actually cool that they keep you guessing a bit um i it's it's just great hard hardcore you know what was that i would crunch this bottle i muted myself like i normally would but i forgot i got three other live mics (laughs) (laughs) um we're out of this is our first in-person pod since what two oh. and a two and a bit years ago. Yeah, a while. I, I can't remember the last time I came. Well, okay, so it was right when Terror and Dead Heat did that last show right before COVID, Joe. Yeah. So I think it was so January of twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. January twenty twenty. Just before the shutdown. Yeah. Yeah. Right before it. Yeah, for sure. Um, this demo, the recording is spectacular. Yes. It sounds. So perfect. The drums, the guitar, the bass might be a little low, but it sounds sick. I do think maybe the vocals are mixed a little low. I like to listen to this thing a lot. I listened to it a few times. It bangs. It's like a record where it sounds great, like playing it loud. And I, I wish like every band that was trying to sound like this recorded with that engineer in that studio at that time of day with that those instruments, et cetera, et cetera, because it, it sounds perfect. The only thing I say is I listen to this a handful of times. And nothing grabbed me. Um, so I don't know if that's like a symptom of the vocals being mixed a little low, that like the vocals aren't out front and there's nothing grabbing me like personality wise. So that's all. It's just a bang and recording, but nothing really stood out to me too much. So. Well, I think the thing that grabbed me the most is that the recording enhances the era of NYHC they're trying to go for or that they are going for. But then. Um, like a couple of the short songs, like on this side of death, like they would grab me because, like I said, I was expecting it to roll into another part and it just ended. And it was like, oh, it left me wanting more, which, you know, is a good and a bad thing, I suppose. Yeah. No, I think it, like that's what you want from a demo. You definitely want people wanting more. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mean to be negative in that way because I did really enjoy listening to the thing. I would just say, you know. Room for improvement. Try, well, I just try to get try to get some hooks. You know, like it's 
if you think about like guitar and song, it's like there's so much emphasis put on like the music and like people are thinking about how to write songs and shit. And dude, writing lyrics is really hard. And sometimes you're just trying to write stuff that's like, you know, good lyrics, you know, or stuff that isn't silly or whatever. Yeah. And it's very hard to like balance that. And you're writing to someone else's music and you're trying to like write something catchy with a hook. So very, very hard. That's why like, you know, we blow the smoke up of asses of bands on this pod that we think are great because writing great hardcore is very hard. Writing writing hardcore as good as this demo is very hard. Like this is really good, competent hardcore. I'm just saying, yeah, nothing like jumped off the, the page of me. Ben, let's go to you. Yeah, um, the opening trumpets make, made me think of I got New Direction, Gorilla Biscuits New Direction vibes on that one, and a, a little bit of uh, uh, Mighty Mouse cartoon vibes as well. But maybe that's because I was watching the new adventures of Mighty Mouse on YouTube recently and realizing <laughs> how psychotic that, that cartoon was. Um, all that is said is very outbursty. It's what I call where the wild things are core. That's... That's my shorthand. Of course, that's not short at all. That's many, many syllables uh, for that style of music. And then um, Escape from Freedom is breakdowny, uh, where the wild things are core. Uh, and then the quote at the end of the song uh, where you hear the person say, sane and insane can easily switch places. Of course, uh, that is Julie Carmen as Linda Stiles from the 1994 film In the Mouth of Madness. How do I know that? Because I Googled it. I've never heard of that movie before in my life. Dude, Ben, that's the last great John Carpenter movie. Is it? It's really good, dude. You'd like it. It's about an author. I, uh, Sam Neill is in it. Yeah. Being really wild. Dude, it's good. It's like legit one of my favorite movies. There's a disproportionate amount of movies about authors because who writes screenplays? Writers. So um, uh, going on to... On this side of death, I thought that had a cool two-step part. I was going back to Zach's glossary of hardcore terminology, and I thought, this is too fast for breakdown. This is Zach two-step uh, territory here. That's what's up. Yep. And then uh, the vocals are kind of that monotone, shouty uh, style uh, that also goes back to that kind of era of NYHC that they're doing. Um it has a little bit of that trapped in a cave reverb, but not too much. I think the singer is inside more of a grotto, maybe the Playboy Mansion grotto. And then, uh, hmm. so like to sum it up, I'd say Echo Chamber is like that basic moshy class of 89 sounding NYHC stuff that once again proves my theory that Breakdown is the most influential hardcore band of all time. What is that noise? Phone. That might have been my phone right next to the thing, right? Yeah, yeah probably. Weird. <laughs> yeah, hey, all these technical difficulties again, because now we just... Dude, I wish I would have known you could do a podcast just through fucking Zoom. Could have <laughs> saved my money on buying four pro mics and a board. You know what I mean? And then yeah, the, but when we get to Costa Rica, what are we going to do? <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. I am not hauling this shit down there. <laughs> you know? But if I do, Revis is invited so someone can help me set up. Huh? <laughs> um, yeah, Ben, that was a good take. Joe, what is uh, your take on this? I was going to ask, is this a, actually a German band or is it just a label? It's a German band. Yeah. Uh, okay, Busky, that's what I thought. Busky yeah. hit me to it. Yeah. They, I, I, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, 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 that first song has that chant on the going out. I love that. Uh, uh, the end of the song, Escape from Freedom, has a cool like dropout guitar thing. 
and then everybody comes back in, but only for two notes, like a dun dun. And I, that, I thought that was rad. Um, like you said about the recording, it was really good. Uh, I I did like the uh, the vocals. I thought that they were at the right level, but maybe it's just his voice that's not cutting through for you. And I know what you're saying about the hooks or slightly lack of hooks. The music the music is uh, prepared for them, but the vocals just don't deliver that piece of it. I think. Um, but for a demo, it's pretty rad. Great demo. And yeah. the great thing about it is, you know, one thing that we always acknowledge, they're singing in, in another language. Yeah. And yeah. to pull that off is just fantastic yeah. as well. Yeah. I had no idea they were from outside of the United States until right now. So so now Ben doesn't like it anymore. No, you look, look at his top 100 lists. Just no, no continental European stuff oh, is allowed to be on. A- a- actually, I was going to going to reference back to my top 100 list another German band who is doing New Craft York hardcore better than anyone in this country, True Blue. Yes. Shout out. So, friend of the pod, PK. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, let's go on to the next and this is another demo, I believe. Oh, hell yeah. Major Pain Demo 2022, correct? I got to go to the album here. Yeah, 2022. Yep. Demo 22, the band Major Pain. This is a SoCal band, I think, OC area. Dude, this guy's voice is, like, great. Holy shit, right? It's like It sounds very similar to, like, Killing Time, where it's just like, Holy shit, the dude has like a naturally great voice. What do you think, Dan? When I first heard it, I, I didn't connect with the voice as well until the second listen, and then I really started to it started to grow on me big time. Um, it has a a really growly thing without going into Cookie Monster territory. It has um, aggression without being someone who's overdoing it. Everything is just in the pocket. Right, because he's not like yelling or making a voice. Like it just sounds like his natural ass voice. Like very similar to how, you know, you listen to Raw Dealer or Killing Time Brightside and it's like, damn, this guy is just kind of like talking loud, but it sounds sick as fuck. And it's like this guy is like very similar. Like what the what a gift. Yeah, I wonder if he recorded the vocals with bowling shirt and trilby on <laughs> um to try and nail that killing time vibe. Right. <laughs> Um, what's sick about this is that the music is, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a little bit more hate breedy than the echo chamber we just talked about, but it is still coming from, from that same direction of, of really, uh, hard East coast influenced, uh, eighties and early nineties hardcore. Um, but it, it flows really well. Like, um. The demo is just the right length to really make you want something more, but at the same time, um, you're not you're not like you you want more, but you're not you're satisfied at the end of it. I think it's a really good demo. I think the songs are varied enough to really present what this band can do, and I, I I'd really dug it. All right, no one making noise because the birds shut up for one second. Let's enjoy the silence. They got in a fight right now. <laughs> Depeche <Yeah>. mode. <laughs> it's a bird demic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very like uh, where the wild things are mashed up with like modern 
you know, moshier hardcore, like hate not, breed influence. Yeah, not unsimilar to like some of the stuff we've reviewed on here, right? Like Abrasion or the By All Means or stuff like that, or or what we're gonna talk about a little later, that click. You know, so yeah, it's like the modern where the wild things are mixed with modern moshcore. They don't keep the song the songs aren't too long. Again, I love the voice, the recording's good. This is like about as good as like a demo can be, in my opinion. Ben, what's your take? Yeah, the first thing that springs to mind is Steph Curry doing practice drills because the kick drum sounds like a basketball being furiously dribbled on a hardwood floor. It's like, but in a very controlled manner. Like this is this guy's really good at dribbling. Um, I get the '90s metallic hardcore feel to it, and I thought to myself, maybe this sounds like Marauder, but maybe I think that because. Major Payne has a cartoon character holding a samurai sword on the cover. And then I went and I listened to Marauder for as long as it took me to figure out. No, this actually does sound a little bit like Marauder. It's not just the samurai sword cartoon character. Uh, So I think whereas Echo Chamber was more like 89 style NYHC, this is like going six years into the future or into the future, not from where we're looking at it right now, but this is more mid nineties, uh, New York. Um, but you know, this isn't my lane, so I'm going to defer to the experts. Do you, do you think more hate breed, more Marauder kind of a combination? What do you think? I think that was the right call. Like thinking about Marauder as being like blueprint for this stuff, you know, it's still New York hardcore coming out of like, who's Marauder influenced by they're influenced by that. Where the wild things are stuff, right? Like the wild men of New York, you know? And then, yeah, this is kind of modern. If you wanna, if you wanna map it from from breakdown <laughs> to Marauder to Major Pain, what's up? Yeah, well, I also love the fact that I wish I could have seen that like three minutes that Ben was torturing himself listening to Marauder. Like, <laughs> I think it's the same, but I can't take anymore. It, it was it was closer to thirty seconds, but yeah, I was painful. <laughs> Joe, what's your take on this? Uh, yeah, the the intro from the first song just come out swinging. I love that. That's a great feel. I love how raw the recording sounds. Um, as compared to the other ones that we listened to, it sounds a little bit more stripped down. Not bad in any way. It just sounds um, less produced, I guess. Uh, I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say, but um, it ke- it kept me interested throughout. You know, I just, I am wa- actually I want more of it. So uh, that that's what you want out of a demo, right? So. Yeah, and hell yeah, the other thing I like is every song is explicit. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. I want every song to have that uh, <laughs> that caution I, warning. I couldn't yes, find please. lyrics for this, so um, okay. So I only picked up on a few words here and there, but hopefully it's not all. Well, Spotify picked up on the F word. Okay, good. <laughs> the the um, artwork's cool. It's got like a crazy like Minotaur slash like full-on NY... Well, not even NYHC, because it was just 90s hardcore tagger-like pictures. And then um, and then shout-out to Damon Wayans, because, you know, if you haven't seen Major Pain, you really should, because that's a classic. <laughs> After you watch Don't Be a Menace Society while drinking your juice in the hood. South um, Central. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's talk this last one, and then we'll do some questions, and we'll come back to talking about the music. Um, the next one is this EP. It was a listener suggestion, and it is the band is called Run Into the Sun. It is the song Love, and then the song Pain. It's a single. I don't know if it's only digital. If it's coming out, what's going on? But uh, Dan, what's your take on this? Is this uh, 
one of the first bands in a post uh, turnstile glow up world. Yeah, I think it, it's channeling. I mean, just naturally channel. I don't know if they're actively going for this, but also has a bit of that no pressure vibe as well. So it's got like a post turnstile glow, post no pressure release. Um, but it's channeling that 90s, um, almost God, alt hardcore, like with the using lots of overdrive and guitar effects and having whooshing upswings in the music um, with a very clean but clean but aggressive vocals you know like so it's got a touch of melody to the vocals and but they're being sang aggressively so it's got a lot of that I, I don't want to channel Deftones as an influence because it's not doing that kind of singy stripper metal e thing you know as Zach would call it it's doing more of the those bands that would sign to like a rev or sign to a um even be on like the sessions like samplers and things like that where it's like you'd find them on the surf and skate videos like the way the vocals are i'm just saying it's channeling that era of music Dan thinks they sound like sprung monkey no <laughs> no but it, i do have a funny sprung monkey story at some point um <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is really cool. I, I do like when people think conceptually about a, a recording. So they've got one song called Love. They've got one song called Pain. It almost reminds me of Radio Rahim's uh, Rings, but it's that's Love and Hate. So it would be even cooler if it was Love, Hate with the two songs. But I um, I liked it. I don't think it's right in my wheelhouse, but I enjoyed it. I do like the big gang vocal on the barrack. Like pain is also known as Barracuda because they shout out Barracuda. And I, I totally got heart vibes on it when that happens. But there's a giant gang vocal that goes Barracuda. And I was like, Oh, sick. It's like heart. And then at Scolari's office in town here in San Diego, there used to be karaoke there. And invariably these two drunk girls would get up every week and do barracuda by heart and there's a part on the karaoke version that is 24 measures of just music <laughs> so you just stood there waiting for that solo to finish and it's really annoying but this isn't annoying that's my review this is good <laughs> yeah the singer is like one of those like really skilled people you know he does like all the rain shit like you know like he thinks about what he, how he's singing um I don't like this at all, though. Like, I mean, it's two songs, so right on. And they sound like a skilled band, and they sound like they're going to be really popular. But I don't know. Like, melodic music that has, like, big breakdowns has always been, like, stripper metal is the worst, but then, like, that was, like, my second, like, least favorite. Like, the early 2000s when bands would have, like, nice-sounding verses and choruses that sounded really safe and clean, and then they'd have the big mosh part, and it's like, this this doesn't make any sense together, you know. Like, I I just want to listen to Marauder. You <laughs> that's you what know? that's what I was trying to explain is that it's not quite that, and it's not quite hardcore, but it's that that weird thing that was in between around that time period that was very prevalent, like your shifts 
and your um like even though i liked shift don't get me wrong but the bands that were post shift still suit yes things like <laughs> that yeah definitely things like that where it was just like it's just a little bit too in between everything to really latch onto one thing that i love do you know what i mean yeah ben uh what's your take on this yeah, the singer of this band does not let, sound like a scary monster, so I'm already giving it a little bit more credit than the uh, previous two bands we talked about. Not that it's competition. Um, the song Love, totally I get Turnstile vibes from. It's like that slow post-hardcore thing where you have a lot of like shout yelling um, about how all we need is love. And maybe a little bit more of the Turnstile record before the new one, which... I can't think of the name of it right now. It's yellow and it has the bass player stage diving on the cover of it. That, that sort of, I, I don't, it's not like turnstile clone band, but it, it does definitely sound like, Oh, this, this was created in a world where people listen to turnstile. And I'm, and I am waiting for that sort of tidal wave of bands that really do sound like fake turnstile to start happening because you got to figure they're the, they're the biggest band that, that came out of the world of hardcore right now like by far by like an exponential factor so there's got to be like kids who like that's their gateway and then that's what they're gonna do when they pick up instruments and start playing um the song pain barracuda it starts off super fast and then it goes into this like churning mosh part and i i was hoping hoping it was a cover of barracuda by heart which by the way has like this sick galloping guitar riff and it's got those like harmonics with the with the with the tremolo bar that totally like when i listen to barracuda by heart i think of victor in inside out like oh that's the hardcore version of what heart was doing we should all sing it together it's that iconic ready one two three four yeah it's it's sick and so i kind of wanted that but they don't they don't do that um but you know these songs are over before you know it, and and the idea that one one song is love and one song is pain, and how you know we've lived with concept albums since before we were born that those that's kind of an advent of the '60s, Sergeant Pepper, etc. That this, shit is deep, dog. This, like I was thinking about it the other night, and I was like, oh man, what if the next record is happy and sad, man? <laughs> well, this is a concept single. So, can you think of another another concept single? Maybe I could if I thought about it hard enough. Dude, but anyway, what if one is fire and water, man? Ice. Oh, fire and ice. Shout out TYS. Oh, sh- also shout out See? Uniform Choice because right. staring into the sun, run into the sun, pretty close. Yeah. I like the I like the band name. Band good band names are hard to come by. It's true. Spicy vacation. There you go. <laughs> Joe, what's your take on this? Um, I did like you guys talked about his voice. I really dug that, that he has that control where he can go from that talk shout kind of thing into the scream. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people try to do that. A lot of people suck at it, myself included. Mm-hmm. But this guy does it really good. So I, really I, good. I enjoyed that. Um, the songs were eh, okay. It was cool, I guess. You know, it was recorded well. He does seem like a singer that's going to excel with a cordless mic. You know, he's going to excel. Ben, did I cut you off? Did you have more on that? That's all I had. Okay. All right. Um, I should have been queuing up the question. So, Dan, why don't you tell your uh, 
your funny sprung monkey story, which is crazy because all my sprung monkey stories are very sad and serious. <laughs> well, I don't now I'm on the spot. Okay, so um Sprung Monkey were nominated for a San Diego Music Award, and so were Swindle. And Nick, the drummer of Swindle, like was loudly by the microphone announcing the um nominees and when uh sprung monkey was announced as a nominee of an award um nick just loudly not knowing that he was going to be on mic went get him out of here and it like went <laughs> loud as fuck all around the place and most of the amphitheater laughed at sprung monkey so that's yeah. that's pretty cool also the old drummer uh, old bass player pat Kim, who went on to play bass in other San Diego legends, Unwritten Law, um, once, so uh, Don was trying to get into PB Music Trader once and the key was about to break in the lock and he's like, don't touch it anymore. And I was like, oh, I can do this. And I turned it and snapped the key in the lock. And then uh, that guy, Pat, was there and he goes, fucking way to go, Forrest Gump. <laughs> and just blasted me. And I, so I'm double anti sprung monkey and anti unwritten law. Hell yeah. Okay. This first question is a great one. And let's read it here. President Jack Tunney has announced a 30 man battle royal a la Powerhouse's Pandemonium record. Respect to any Powerhouse shout out. He also offered each of you a chance to choose someone from. Punk, hard, punk or hardcore to enter this battle royal. What pit lord are you choosing to throw brutes like Hercules Hernandez and the warlord over the top rope? All right, I'm taking him first so no one can take him. I'm going prime Aaron Cooley. All the way fucking pumped up. Are you going to take Dave Kennedy? It's going to get rough when it comes. It's going to be like demolition coming out, you know, and it's like axe and smash. smash one, and, one two. and two. And they got to lay into each other. And it's like, ooh. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going. I'm going primary and Cooley over Dave Kennedy, but that's a rough one. Only because Dave Kennedy's a little taller, and this is a battle royal scenario. You know, he could get clotheslined over the top rope easily that's with true. that height. Um, for those people that don't know that are listening, Aaron Cooley is the drummer. I mean, the guitar player of Over My Dead Body, the drummer of Built to Last, uh, notorious muscle man. Yeah. Yeah, so nice guy. I wouldn't call him a brute because he might rip my head off my neck, but uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Dan, your choice. I'm going Kev Wan, bulldoze. Yeah. I'm going that low center of gravity, that absolute psychopathic look in the eye, and the scariness that of the reputation will have you jumping over the top rope before he gets his hands on you. Shout out to the 185 intro. You know his bulldoze, fool. Ben, what's your take? As sad as as sad and pathetic as this is, I've thought about this for many years. <laughs> I really have. I thought you put everyone who is ever involved in hardcore in a ring. Obviously, it would have to be a very large ring, and who would be the last person standing? And it's John Macias from Circle One, mm. six foot four, buff. What com- you gonna do? Completely fucking insane. Um, threw a security guard over the Santa Monica Pier and then ran from the cops and they killed him. Um, but like just the most terrifying person from every, every account of, um, hardcore dude ever. And, um, I, I feel safer. I feel safer in a world without him. Although the way he passed was, you know, not absolutely un, unjustifiable. 
yeah, if you talk to old hardcore dudes about John Macias, it sounds terrifying. Like there'd be a pit, you'd be on the edge of the pit, and he would just go up to people and decide if he was gonna fucking maim you or not. You know, and I can't remember who I was talking to. It might have been Matt Domino from Infest, and he's like, "Yep, he went up to me, he gave me the okay, and then like the guy next to me got maimed." Horrible. And um, Daniel Weitzman, the guy I wrote the the one point five article with, um, who was a writer for Flipside Magazine in the early eighties gave the Circle One LP a negative review and had to go into hiding because he feared for his life. So he doesn't have very uh, fond memories of Circle One. And he also killed a dog, so that fucking sucks. Yeah, that's Allegedly. Fine. Allegedly. Yep. Shout out to animals, uh, especially these birds. Hey, uh, Joe, what's your take? I'm going to say uh, just like fighting um, like prowess uh, i'm gonna go with pete pete Kohler. sick of it all because pete's tough tough two new york picks yeah two new york a san diego and a la and la ripper Downey. although i don't know enough about him but the singer of cold hard truth the 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 some stories i've heard of that beatdown band from the uk the singer of that sounds like he'd be a really good alternate <laughs> running into the ring and destroying people. Yeah, young Big Bob, too. From oh, British, yeah. yeah, he fucking took a gun off someone <laughs> at yeah, gunpoint. Yeah. Straight no fear, dude. <laughs> yeah. You think he's scared of the fucking warlord Hercules <laughs> <No>. Hernandez? <laughs> he said Hercules can keep his chain. Do you know what, though? The genius is going to win that through sheer mind power. That's true. The genius has a scheme. He's going to win. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, okay. Same person asked if we could do a UFO segment on replacing Ryan Fredette on In Control Another Year. That's that's a good question. Yeah, that that would be hard for me because I curated Ryan. Like I was like, you know, here's the thing: people talk about this a lot. If you're looking to get a singer in your band, like get someone that moshes and stage dives really well. That translates to being a frontman, right? Like, or you got to have like some crazy charisma, like Aaron from Death Threat. Like, that dude can like stand still and still command like the, like the room, like all the eyes go on him, right? He's got that much like low key charisma, it's so ill. But like, I chose Ryan because we went to every show we could, and he like moshed and stage dove to every band, and I was like, this is perfect. He's a writer. I know he's not gonna quit my band, and we chose him. So, fuck, I don't know who I'd replace him with, dude. <laughs> I have no idea. Let me think last. Dan, what's your take? Oh, I was just listening to your story, so I haven't been thinking about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to Joe. Joe, who are you summoning in for Ryan? I mean, got to be from the Nard? I can be from anywhere, right? Any In any time frame, right? <sighs> Wild man like Ryan. I mean... Uh, let's get closer to the mic. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's a crazy wild man. Because Ryan is nuts. Right. I have an answer. Okay. If you guys want more, even more time to think. Yeah. Uh, Zach Oxnard. No way. Because I'm the opposite. I don't move that much. Well, you're the singer of Retaliate. I know, but like Ryan has a nice voice of, like I have like an angry Homer Simpson voice, right? Ryan has a more like. <laughs> It's not like super nice to the ear, but it's like a little better. How about how about uh like if Ben Edge like drank for two years straight and like 
dabbled in a little bit of coke, you know, maybe Ben, he's got the voice for it. Oh, and do it. He'd have to do some steroids and 200 pushups a day. Well, but, uh, well, Ben, uh, we just did, this is your life to Ben. And we went through the thing and I hope that's aired. <laughs> yeah. One eight, four point five. So it's right, right, right before this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, Ben definitely has the chops to like, bring something to that but ben's answer of you is good too because you know you sing on you know feel uh oh god feel the fire feel the fire yeah and uh a couple other jammers and so you're sharing the vocal duties anyway um but my answer would be hr because when ryan goes into that like uh parts you know where he goes it's just he almost is ahead of like how the music's going with his like mania. I think HR would be super good. And then just think about HR on the more melodic songs and stuff. It'd be so rad. So yeah, Ryan never did a backflip, you know, so HR one up him there, but how about this? I'm going, I'm going Dan Sant, you know, what if we had a DD? That would have been sick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I would be like, shit, I got to drive again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we did all the long drives because that one tour that we had, Adam Lentz, I, th- I think it was him. I can't remember. But, like, me and Ryan do, like, the long hauls. But then, yeah, if we were in a town and we went drinking, then, like, I'd be- trust someone to drive for 10 minutes home. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. But those long drives, what I used to do on tour when it was my turn after a show and I was just, I was, you know, a little bit of a baby. I I get sleepy really fast. So what we would do is like we stop by one of those flying J truck stops and I'd get a bunch of ice in a napkin and I'd put it under my baseball hat. So the, the cold dripping down my back would keep me awake. Wow. You know, it totally works, but yeah. Um, Sunflower seeds, dude. Also, I know most, uh, most icy jams with a couple practices. So I, I, I could definitely, uh, I love the band, so there's no problem there. Here's my te- here was my technique of staying awake. It was still miserable. You hold a you hold a ball of some sort in your hand, and you extend your arm, and you just keep the ball in your hand. And once if you start dropping the ball, you know you're you're out of it. So okay, it keeps you world, awake. world's strongest man. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Nah, sunflower seeds does it. Like that's the that's the move. Just eat some sunflower seeds. You'll be alright. But yeah, that's another thing I didn't think of. Like. Ryan, when we had to do the overnight drives, he was the man and he would do good. And he'd wake me up around like four in the morning. So he'd do like midnight to four or midnight to five. I'd get up real early and do like five to 10, you know? So like we had a good partnership of that where we'd be kind of fucked if we didn't have a night driver. Right. Cause I can wake up as early as possible. Those drives were so easy just because, you know, you wake up you, the first hour is easy. Right. Then I'd yeah. like, pull off, get like a McDonald's coffee or something that gives you another hour. And then it's like, yeah, I'm almost halfway there. You know, I do love that shift of driving as the sun's coming up. Oh yes. It gives you like Hmm. almost like a boost, a boost when the sun starts coming up and you're like, okay. But the one right after loading the van and you're leaving a city and it's an overnight drive, that's fucked. And you got 14 hours to go to the next town. Yes. That's not good. I can't think of his name. The name of the person who should sing the in yeah. control. Uh, what describe him? We'll play a game. Yeah, what band? Capper was a guitarist. 
Oh, uh, the uh, singer of Holier Than Thou. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Rest in peace. Yeah, passed away a year or two ago. Oh, I didn't even know that. Dr. I that think. guy was good. He was a little crazy, but he didn't move. No, he was like very static on the stage. Well, because he sang a million words a minute. Like, well, maybe he would have because he was more spaced out. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So maybe he would have the opportunity to move around. He'd been singing that shit, but he had a lot of energy. That's true. He'd also be in a band with Zach who would yell at him after the show for not moving if that was the case. So, (laughs) you know, the next show he would be moving. Capra's like, whatever, I'm okay. Okay, uh, question for Dan and Ben mostly because of their egregious lists. Um, What are are the best European hardcore records of the 80s and 90s in your opinion? What did we have on our list? That's the answer. Zero. That's not true. I had True Blue on the 90s list. Okay, you had one. Good no, job, dude. I had Tiebreak on the 90s Eyeball. list. You, that's what oh, you gave me. Right. We, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, you're right. We did better on the 90s, right? So the 80s, I had Raw Power, um, Screams from the Gutter. And you're obviously talking mainland Europe because I had a ton of UK, which yeah, is let, in Europe. Let's yeah. go mainland and, and take out UK. That's its own animal, and UK has a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, for me, it's a bit of a blind spot. Like... Um, uh, what's the something pasty? Um, anti. No, yeah. that's that's UK. Uh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, it is a bit of a blind spot in the eighties for me. Raw Power is the obvious one. Indigesti was that what you're thinking of? The Italian band? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it seemed like um some of the stuff that was on the mainland stuff was a bit crustier than than is in my wheelhouse. Um, and then the, uh, 90s though, there's so much good European stuff and, um, and Europe is showing America how hardcore tours should be done and treatment of bands should be across Europe. This is a cop out. Dan's trying to blow smoke up Europe's ass now for their treatment of American (laughs) bands. And he's not talking about European hardcore bands. Not true. Eyeball. Yes, the crucial re- crucial response bands. We all love them. In fact, we we love them and put them on a pedestal more than probably anyone here. That I I haven't heard anyone talk about those bands. Right and, and good life stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I chose a that Angel Crew Dying Breed. Are they, are they oh okay? yeah. No, no, that that's Europe. Okay. Right. Yeah that that song is sick with the roar. Ben loves it too. Um, but yeah, like that is that cr- from Staffen? Well, that that question. Oh, I can't remember. I didn't write down the names because I don't want to get people's names wrong and people don't tell me how they want to be billed, right? So I'd feel weird, you know. I have I have one. It's like it's it's uh, you know surfboard sixty nine dot com Instagram. For continental Europe, for the '80s, uh, BGK from Holland. Yep, they're very minor threatish, a little bit more. I think they're f- they're they're faster and have less finesse than Minor Threat. Um, but if you're into that kind of stuff, BGK's a good. I have the discography CD, so it's like I never learned like what songs are on which records. And I also uh, Raw Power Screams from the Gutter as well. I'm a fan of that. That was actually uh, produced by Paul Mayhern of the Zero Boys in the United States, in Indiana. So, um, good job on that one. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, sh- yeah, That's I just... a good point, though, because, like, I don't... 
the WAP Hour 7-inch and the After Your Brain, I don't like them as much. And a lot of it is the recording. The recording on Swims from the Gutter is so bright and raging and sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they had, I, I, at least for like 1980, 81, 82, I was putting together these playlists that you can access on Spotify of one song from every hardcore record, or maybe it was one song from every hardcore band that came out in... 78, 9, 80, 81, 82. I had to stop at 82 because 83 is when it just becomes unmanageable. It's just, you know, the, the there's like twice as many records from 83 as there was from 82, maybe even four times as many. But um, going into those early 80s ones, I had I listened to a lot of European stuff for the first time ever, and a lot of it was very poorly recorded. And I don't understand if they were behind on recording technology. That doesn't seem to make sense. Um, so, I, you know, all it takes is a handful of really good recording studios. And by really good, I mean good sounding by hardcore standards. Don Fury's studio in New York was like the size of a closet, but everything sounded really good. So if you don't have that on an entire continent, and I know every everyone's throwing their phone down, being like, you know, such and such in fucking Hamburg was the shit, whatever. But like... That was like the big thing holding it back for me is just like, man, these records are poorly recorded. Um, but then, of course, I had to I had to stop at, by the end of 82. Uh, so uh, here's a fun one. The Rondos, I think they were from Holland and they were an anti anti drug band before Minor Threat even existed or around the same time. They had this song about like, I don't need no speed. So um they're like, well, we don't need no speed. We just want all your weed. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but those that band, like that band, Larm from I think they were from Holland too. Members of, that went on to Seeing Red, like they were like a straight edge band in like '84, and they were like, we didn't, we weren't influenced by Minor Threat. We were influenced by this band, the Rondos. That's why we were an anti drug band because these older, you know, our older brothers were were preaching this, not these guys across the pond in uh, D.C. So I thought that was interesting. I just assumed anything that, you know, minor threats, ground zero for that kind of thing, but they, they're not really. Well, I would love to be turned on to some, yeah, I mean, I've heard Larm and I've, uh, but some things like this, uh, this listener and potential other listeners that suggest some 80s stuff. But for the 90s, like I loved 59 Times the Pain, which was like kind of the Dutch sick of it all. You know, sounded very much like that. And then I really loved the two Abenanda LPs out of Sweden. Um, I loved uh, Refused Songs to Fan the Flames. Um, at the time, I did really enjoy Shape of Punk to Come, but it it very, it very did not hold up. Like, and S.H.I.E.L.D. was on Desperate Fight Records. That's the, the Swedish label that put out all this stuff. Um, they were kind of outspoken-y. They had a lot of uh, acoustic... You know, and talky pops. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really dug them. Yeah. The two Sportswear 7 inches and the Main Strike LP and that Eyeball 7 inch. Yeah. Chef's Kiss, dude. That's like where it's at. Those records kick so much ass. They hold up so well. Um, They're absolutely amazing. Joe, you got anything on this? Uh, 90s? Satanic Surfers. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. 10 foot pulse split. Yeah. Satanic Surfers, 10 foot pulse split. They're not a hardcore split. band, but that, that's all I could think Doesn't of. Doesn't matter. When, when you brought up Sweden, that's that's the first thing that comes to my, Fu- my, my mind. So. Funeral Oration for Zach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Funeral Oration. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for the, sure. The 1984 LP Communion, I love. Um, everyone should check it out. Some some of the, 
the deep cut heads like like the demos before that, but communion's where it's at. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm also gonna have to just give a shout out to No Fun at All just because they are cinema beer veterans. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> shout out yep. to them. Okay. Uh, next one. What is the most crucial record in your collection, and also the most valuable uh, to you, and the most valuable price was? Ooh. Can I look that up? I mean, I've got minor threat, out of step, first press. And the way I got it was the nicest. Uh, Stole it off Mandel's shelf? <laughs> no. Uh, just <laughs> Mike Stobie, who's a, a tattoo artist here in San Diego who I'm friends with. Just an old punk. He used to do all the flyers for the Tim Mays shows that were done back in the day. So he's like uh, just a old punk head from San Diego that did like, it was basically him and Mad Mark Rude that would do all the flyers for San Diego, like emerging punk and hardcore shows, like from 80 on. And um, one day we were just sat over at his house and he goes, this will mean so much more to you than it does me. And he just gave me the record. So for the fact that it has that friendship connotation and it just was like, you know, handed down from someone who bought it literally, you know, at the shows or from a record store, like the minute it came out, it's just, uh, it means the most to me in that regard. I think my most valuable record is the Aryan disgrace seven inch. I don't want to say the name of it on the pod, uh, but everyone can look it up. I think it's like a $700 record. Um, that's value wise. I have a Tom Waits test press that for, uh, oh, I don't even remember what record now. That COVID brain fog. I'll, I'll Google it. Small change. I'm just saying. Oh that. no, no, that's that's right. Actually. Oh really? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I just yeah. pulled that out of my no, ass. It's like <laughs> it's, it's like a '70s classic, and and basically like I sold. I had a reason to believe test press, and I sold it. And at the same time, like that record, what I got for it was like the same as the Tom Waits test press on eBay. So it was kind. Of, I I told myself it was like a trade because at that time I'd never spent that much money on a record, and so yeah, I got that. I also got mass appeal on uh, test press too. So what's up? Ding, 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 That's, ding, 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 I have a uh, ritual on broken test press uh, that was given to me by Steve. So that is also just a thing. And then Rob uh, gave me a life love regret on blue and wrote like this really nice letter in it. All of mine are like, yeah, they are records that are worth a lot, but the, the connotation that went along with them is the stuff that's made made them the most special in my collection, I suppose. Um, I've got lots of really, really, really expensive Britpop records, but um, 185 listeners don't care about that. If Zach's gatekeeping it, this one does. <laughs> Shout out Elastica. That's true. Ben, what's, what's your take on this? Um, I worked for like I think I interned for maybe three days at Side One Dummy Records, uh, which was co-owned by Joe Sib, still is. And Joe Sib is this old California, San Jose area guy, skateboarder. Um, Stand up. He does that now. He yeah. wasn't doing that back then. This was the year 99 or 2000. And they were putting out like Seven Seconds and Suicidal Records at the time. And he had this script for a... Uh, film about uh, the germs, about Darby Crash. 
call uh, that was written by Alison Anders, who is famous for Mi Vida Loca and Gas Food and Lodging. And he let me borrow the script and read it. And I gave it back to him. And it was a terrible script. And by the way, a movie about the germs did get made by someone else, completely different script, which was also terrible. Um, <laughs> but he knew how much of a germ super fan I was. And I think he may have felt bad for not like hiring me as a real employee of side one dummy. So the day, my last day, he, my last day of like three days of working there, he gave me an OG mint condition, uh, germs, lexicon devil slash records. Number one, seven inch with the gold cover. And I mean, this thing had never been played. And he told me that when slash was clearing out their offices, they had a whole box of them and they gave him one. So he passed it along to me. And, a couple of years later, I had a you know record nerd friend look at it, and he says, uh, "This isn't this isn't an original version." And then a few years after that, I had someone else look at it, and they're like, "No, this is real. This is an original version." So I, it, it is. I mean, now now that we have discogs, we can look at the Matrix and all that shit. So yes, that is that has the most sentimental value, and it is the most I'm almost certain the most valuable record I own. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's worth a lot of money. And also, shout out Side One Dem- Dummy, one of the most important punk labels in the history of the genre. They could have been even more important if they brought Ben on, right? I would, I would have, up. I would have kept them from signing Flogging oh, yeah. Molly, and they would have been out like several hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Joe, let's go to you. Millions. Well, I mean, probably the most expensive record I have is the uh, clear vinyl of uh, Nard Curse LP. Yeah. Right. Probably the most important. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ouch. I think the. M- the most sentimental one to me is my first press of uh, Oxnard Land and No Toilets from Millipute. But I'm a homer, so that's why. Um, probably my most expensive, I'm going to say, is my Chesterfield King Jawbreaker 12-inch, the original press, the Tupelo. Um, yeah, it's a very hard-to-get record. Maybe my the my the jawbreaker Sam I am split that came in the uh, no idea um f- the uh the the fanzine that came in that um I don't think that's worth a lot of money but it's super hard to get yeah hell yeah and maybe my Zappa record which one I'm trying to find it but oh uh, Uncle Meat okay yeah. I'm all I'm all asking which one like I know anything about Rick Zappa because it's a, it's a first press, but it, I mean it's it's the one we talked about in the car on the way uh, up here. The, the cover's all thrashed. And dude, stuff, that Abba Zappa song is so sick. I put it on my uh, my old phone, and because like for whatever reason, when I get in the car, it just plays my shit like alphabetically. You know, yeah. so I'll be like, skip to the next one, skip to the next one, and then that Abba Zappa song is sick, dude. So I know and like one Frank Zappa song. He's He's batting a thousand. Okay, let's see the next one. Who is your Jersey hardcore punk Super Seven? So we won't do a full Super Seven, but shout out to your uh, favorite Jersey records and bands, Dan. Um, New Jersey. Uh, I'm gonna go. Um, the mouthpiece song off the. Face Tomorrow 7-inch. Um, oh, my God. The name is escaping me right Cinder. now. Are we going Cinder. songs? We're going Cinder. deep. Oh, okay. I thought we were just coming up with seven songs amongst us really no, quick. I, just shout out Jersey. <laughs> okay. Shout out Jersey. <laughs> so shout out Stickman. Don't hurt us. Yep. Um, Born to Run, Bruce Springsteen. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Good guy. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, well, the, uh... <laughs> I like um, this. God, my mind is blank in okay, person. Okay, floor, floor punch, seven inch. Yeah. Manic, on concrete, second coming. Manic compression. Um, Quicksand's not from New Jersey? No, not manic compression. Manic... Depression? No. Jimi Hendrix is not from New Jersey. Oh, Jesus Christ. The Bouncing Souls. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, oh maniacal laughter. Maniacal laughter. Oh, Jesus McRad. Christ. McRad's Jersey, right? Uh, yes. Seven? Are they yes. Philly? Uh, LP. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know what? They might be Philly. The I think second it's... second LP, it's so good. They might be Philly. Yeah. Joe, lifetime. I mean, Jersey's best, I guess. But uh, let's get closer to the mic here. Hello, bastards. Yeah, hello, bastards too. Both, you're putting them both in. No, I'm gonna say Jersey's best for, from lifetime, and then um, I'm gonna go Benji's pick and say uh, Skid Row. Skid Row. Skid Row's Jersey. <laughs> Shit. Ben, let's go to you. Dude, the fucking Misfits. Oh, none, good God, None man. of you guys have mentioned the Misfits. <laughs> good God, man. You're right. By the way, go back into those archives. Episode 138. Oh, and an entire episode on the Misfits. Great episode. It's it's one of the, the few bands we were able to do, you know, uh, an entire episode with all the segments and shit for my favorite song by them is Astro Zombies. I don't have a favorite record. Um Beyond the Misfits, Turning Point, No Escape, Split 7-Inch. Oh, yeah. Turning Point yeah. in general. And uh, Turning Point in general. No Escape's also from New Jersey, but I'm talking about Turning Point here. And um, Mouthpiece, Hands Tied. Uh, Naughty by Nature. Not because not I hate you. Yeah, we could do we could do hip hop, fucking Queen Latifah. But yeah, we could. It's gonna, another part. Yeah, it's gonna drive Zach totally nuts. But uh, you guys say that like it's a bad thing, and it's like, oh, we're driving Zach crazy. But it's like it's a hardcore podcast. Like I know, hip, but hip hop well, is like the most popular music in the world. You know, <laughs> no one one mention here is not derailing the entire hardcore. <laughs> I was like, though. shout out! I'm Deep Catalog. I like the most popular music in the world. <laughs> You know, when we're talking like the podcast oh, country? About super niche music, we're just talking about music we love from New Jersey. But I do appreciate the sort of uh, the herding of cats that Zach does, because, you know, especially with digressions, you know, you listen to other podcasts of, of that talk about it, have any topic and it's just nonstop digressions. Then it's like, OK, let's get to the thing that the podcast is actually about, which, which we we have the Patreons for that kind of a thing. Um, other New Jersey bands. Um, I think that's a good stopping point. I'm sure the second we move on to the next topic, I'm going to, you know, um, blurt out something. Dan wants to shout out to 97A and his homie, Chris Kelly. Shout out Chris Kelly, only because you probably uh, would create a very interesting part if you were on as a guest. Um, uh, <laughs> although I do want to shout out Tear It Up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and one of those dudes booked a couple of our... Uh... And our Jersey shows that were great. Strengths uh, and Fast Times. Too. Fast Times are from New Jersey. Down in Flames, uh, the rights. There are a lot of bands from New Jersey, but yeah. uh, well, and pre pre teared up Dead Nation, right? Yes, and technically, Underdog, right? And technically, Rick the Life. What's up? Okay, <laughs> keeping it real. And technically, Mike Judge, but not Judge. <laughs> That's Whatever. true. That's true. In yeah, the- it's a, it's a Jersey Connecticut mashup, dude. Let's write a song called New York Crew, dog. <laughs> you know, what's up? But 
Above all, the floor point seven inch. Floor point seven inch. Um, hell yeah, dude. And Nate Cluck. And the floor punch demo. You know, those ones are great. Um, okay, let's do the next one here. Thanks. That was a good question. Fun to talk regions. Oh, what is your top Jerry's pizza memory? You got one, Ben? Never went there. Never mm. stepped foot in Jerry's Pizza. Isn't that weird? Oh, dude. What is that? Six six one. What's the area code? Well, it was eight oh five back then. But it's well, six, six, it wasn't. It six, was not in the early two thousands. In like oh well, yeah. It changed. It changed in mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Six six one or six six four. Six six one. Yeah. Shout out six six one. Palmdale, Lancaster too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We played a bunch of shows there. You know, the last time that Retali played there was great with uh, the Warriors. That was awesome. The place used to be way more compact downstairs, but they opened it up and feels like less of a fire hazard. That's cool. There was one time that In Control played with No Justice and Life's Halt, and that was wild because, dude, because at that time, like, Timmy No Justice was, like, he had the rep as the wildest man, like, the wildest singer, you know, and he went wild, and so did Ernie. It was like, good luck, Ryan. You know what I mean? Good luck being a lame up there, like <laughs> stiff ass board. It's like know? going up after HR and Gigi Allen. <laughs> I know, right? it's like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we it was funny because someone recorded that set. I think it was Morgan from Born to Hate, shout out. And uh yeah, afterwards we got the video and we like watched our set and we're like, dude, we played for eleven minutes. What? Like <laughs> what is this all about? You know, twenty songs. We were just so ner- <laughs> well. We were just neurotic about not letting people get bored. You know, so like, and at that time it must have been must have just put on seven inch. We basically played the seven inch and we're out. But you know what? As old barnacles that we are, which we're not, but we are, but we're not, but we are. Um, bands these days play. 12, 14 minutes, and that's it. That's their set. You know, so that's Crazy. happening. Uh, more often so i see yet again just paving the way for everyone shit it's just <laughs> funny though driving two hours and it's like we drove yeah. to play 11 minutes i mean it's like well we went to see no justice in life's all <laughs> yeah um we my favorite memory is we played a show there with bane and striking distance and it was packed um and in the downstairs and just everyone who was there was just really energetic and participating and loving it i mean how can you not when you're there for give blood era bane and striking distance uh just in their prime which is you know dave bird in his prime is dave bird breathing air really because he's always in his prime even now he's in his prime but coming off that record that they did around that time uh like the fuse and uh, they just fucking ruled, like absolutely ruled the place. Uh, you and Ryan were going crazy for them then. <laughs> oh, I was there. Yeah. I had to have been there. For yeah, the strike absolutely. In California. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ben, why do you hate Bakersfield? <laughs> I don't. And I've been to shows in Bakersfield. I just never went to Jerry's Pizza. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Joe, what's your best memory of Jerry's Pizza? When, when I was in Aylor Pute, so 98-ish. We played there with, uh, in, you know, when it was still the skinny, the skinny hall downstairs. We played with, uh, Strung Out there. So it was like ridiculously packed. Fuck, was Dan there? Maybe. You know, you know yeah, it. Goggles. Um, but, uh, we, uh, the, 
you know, there was five of us on stage, two guitars, bass, singer, Tony, and, and then Joey on drums. And the uh, kids were going crazy. And they knocked over the PA and it fell on me. Ooh. Like, and I didn't even, I, like, I'm playing and all of a sudden it just hits me on the side of the head and I would go Fuck. down. <laughs> Ouch. You know, because it's on those, the tripod yeah, things, yeah. you know, that, that Eddie set up. You know, it was a numbskull show, so. That, that's that's my favorite memory. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> if you even out. have a memory, if you have a memory of it, you were told yeah. this. Memory. I mean, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Like earlier earlier in the show, like there was a kid trying to panhandle, and like he's like, hey, you need a couple dollars so I can get into the show." I'm all, "Come on, dude! You know, like do something for it, like work for it." He's like, "What do you mean? I'm like singing me a song or something." Like, oh. What are you talking about? So I put my hat down and like started doing like dancing on the street and singing and stuff like as you know you know where jerry's is so there's a little bit of foot traffic there and then i got like seven or eight bucks for the kid and i gave it to him well see that's how you do it man come on you gotta you gotta you gotta have a you gotta yeah. have an angle you gotta that hustle dude and then and then later on he's in the show and sees sees sees, sees me on stage he's like i didn't even know you're in the band <laughs> and he's you the can, one who pushes the yeah, PA yeah probably probably fuck hey yeah. joe did you play that song that night that uh Shit talks me and Ryan and the rest of us. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'd love to know it. Um, is there really a diss track? Yeah, no, dude, no. <laughs> Joe, what are the lyrics? Come on, we should we should try to find those lyrics and read them. And how can they not be about us? You said Ox, they're about someone specifically. Hardcore. Let's fuck shit up. No, it's like, that's, and now you're due to da, 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 and now you're claiming hardcore pride. You know something. <laughs> it was about Joey, our drummer, the owner of Ed We Records. wrote a song about our drummer. Because <laughs> Joey hated him, dude. Yeah, that's wild. All right, we're going to do a deep dive on that track on a future episode. We might pull it up. <laughs> Let, let's, uh, let's take a food break, and then we'll we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say is that um, that little tour is we covered the faith and striking distance covered void. So you had a live oh, faith void split in great. Jerry's Pizza. What faith song did you do? We did your ex. Oh, what voice song so did they good. do? Uh, they did two different ones. I can't remember. Do you remember? They did my rules. Yeah. Yep. All right. The same uh, person asked, "Who is on your Mar- Mount Rushmore of youth crew bands?" And let's not let's extend that like straight edge hardcore bands. I think is the move, right? Youth crew and youth crew influenced bands, because otherwise they weren't just be a Mount Rushmore of youth crew, right? <laughs> you know. Well, you've got. Youth of Today. Yep. Side by Side. Yep. Um, Bulb. Do they make it? Oh, you're including the, these are your two. I'm saying if you used original. Oh, yeah. If you're originally original the youth, youth crew, crew like yeah. you might only have a. And Judge no, is in there, even though they sound a lot different from Youth Crew, you know? Right. Uh, chain of Strength. I mean, we're, we, it can only be four. That's what the whole thing, the whole point of yeah, Mount yeah. Rushmore is. is so four. you're taking Youth of Today and Side by Side and other two, Dan. Come on. Chain and fourth is going to be, fuck it, Floor Punch. Sick. Yeah, dude. I might be the same. I might be uh, Youth of Today... Side by side, floor punch, and what's up with that main strike LP, pussies? <laughs> Jesus. I'm going Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits, uh, Chain of Strength, Bold. Yeah, I mean, that's the move, right? You got an opinion on this one, Joe? Not side really. by side. Gorilla yeah. Biscuits, for sure. For me. 
the rest of them. Eh. Girl basically is better than you. That's a great some, song. Some instead, maybe. Oh yeah, these are all great bands. Okay, let's go on to what is your craziest road story? Can't tell mine. Statute of limitations. Uh, <laughs> Dan, how about you? Um, it's you know it's one of those things like ask to go back into your archives of like um of the craziest I'm trying to think um I'd say we played this place in Germany called Bechtesgaden which is in up by the eagle's nest where Hitler had a a, a mansion up there but it's really remote it's up on the um on is it I don't know what mountain range. I think it's the Alps. It's um, right up there and it's on the border of like Austria. Anyway, this is a very remote town and we start playing and the kids in the crowd pick me up. And you know, like in Return of the Jedi where the Ewoks carry C-3PO like as a (laughs) guard. So they they pick me up and they hold me up in the air for three songs. Like we go from song to song to song and I'm just being carried around while singing. And then they put me down and then they go grab Aaron and then they pick him up for two or three songs. And I don't know if it was like something that's just local to there, but it was so fucking sick. Also... You know, we had a lot of merch because we were touring uh, Germany. Well, we were touring Europe, and we sold so much merch. Like the security guard, who was just an old dude at the show, is buying like two hundred and fifty dollars worth of OMTP merch, which yeah. I, he'll probably have never listened to us ever. But he's got the the OMDB Rick to lifestyle belt and <laughs> and, and the zip up track he's, jacket. He's so tired of like only thing available to him is. Hitler tour, like Hitler, uh, <laughs> fucking Eagle's Nest yeah, like, tour merch. souvenirs, like third right. I came to the Eagle's Nest and all I got was this shitty, uh, <laughs> natural socialism. Yes. Uh, but that was just, just the, the thing when we're back in the van after the show and we're just like, oh my God, like that was so cool to like roll through and, and experience like almost like a, a different culture of the way shows happened just on those weird little things that happened it's not like the craziest road story but you know a lot of crazy road stories you don't want to air at some point you know but that was a really interesting one and it was such a an amazing place to go play because it was unbelievably beautiful up there and um just it's so rad to roll into a remote place where people are like thank you so much for coming you know cool hell yeah ben you got anything crazy from the road rolled my volvo station wagon uh several times on the camarillo grade uh driving bad reaction up to oxnard to play with ill repute and we still made it and played the show of course we played after ill repute and everyone had left but we still made it we played the show and like the ceiling of the of the car caved in on my head i had to get like my head super glued shut you know like that's what super glue was actually originally uh, invented for was to, to treat cuts. Yeah. And the two, my two bandmates in the back seat were not wearing their seat belts, and they were the only two that weren't injured. They just held on to the front seats as we were rolling. 
Um, we I did can we did cancel the the uh, NorCal shows the for the ne- the next day and the day after that. The car wreck shit is scary. Like you know, it's not like a gnarly story. Like oh shit, that's wild, man. But I guess one of the easiest ways to die. Right. One time we played showcase in control and. On our way home, it was a rainy night, and we were in like one of those like nine car pileups in the city and industry, and that shit was wild, dude. It was pretty fucked up, and yeah, same thing. Like there was a few people without their seatbelts because me and Ryan were driving shotgun. Robert was like behind the seats. It was funny because I remember like <laughs> you know when inevitably you're gonna get in a wreck, like you know all the brake lights are on, and you're like, "There's no way we stop in time." Like Robert yells, "Ryan!" <laughs> <laughs> but Tony, our drummer, and uh, Livia, Ryan's girlfriend, were in the back in the the, the camper shell. The camper <laughs> shell of the – that was just in Ryan's dad's truck. And, uh, yeah, so they could have gotten killed really easily with all the stuff ping-ponging around, you know, back there. Joe, you got a wild road story? Um, 80 miles east of Albuquerque on the 40, traveling to D.C., rolling the Good Riddance van. <laughs> yep. I hit black ice and flipped the van. It was just me and the roadie. The, the good riddance was flying to D.C. to meet us. Rock, Rock stars. stars. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you know the, the most disappointing part of the Bad Religion book was like Greg Graffin doesn't ride a bus. He doesn't even take the bus. It's too hard for him. He like he literally flies to every single show by himself. Like since like 91, dude. <laughs> like what? And he's putting out books in like 2022 like – Punk and this and that, like talking about punk. It's like, dude, you've been flying aeroplanes to shows <laughs> plus years, and playing yeah. behind barriers for 30 years. Like, you're a smart dude, but let's uh, take a look in the mirror and, and see what's up, right? The 80s were a long time ago, dog. They were. They did have shows in California, and we were, like, meeting them there. So we took their gear, and they had a bunch of shows with, uh, with no effects. So it was... Seemingly rock star move, but they there was a reason for it. <laughs> yeah, but <clears throat> in the IC uh, camp event, does that mean Tony and Ryan's girlfriend were busting the the Tony move? <laughs> What's the Tony move? Denying that you masturbate. Texas? What's that? What's the Tony move? Denying that you masturbate. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the other Tony, the ill repute Tony. Oh, were they six denying the <laughs> <master>? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the best story of the pod. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Tony Molino denies that he masturbates. He used to like, yeah, I don't do that, man. It's like, okay, right on. And then like, but one time uh, we were on tour, <laughs> right and, and Ryan's like, "What the fuck is this on my blanket, dude?" Tony, did you throw a fucking beat on my blanket? And he had to like own up to it. And we're like, beat. You fucking <laughs> don't throw. That's a that is rude. You do not throw a beat on another man's blanket. <laughs> That's you Roger about the sleeping bag. You do not jerk off in the back of the van while the rest of the band is <laughs> driving somewhere either. No, you wait for the shower. All the all the shower drains on tour are taking a pounding. You know? <laughs> Everyone's shooting loads in the shower drain, no? Dude, you're fucking 20 years old. Jesus Christ. Like a stiff breeze gave me a boner. Right? Oh is this gosh. wrong? No, this Human is right. Human sexuality, people. Come on. I just had a lady in every port. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dan was pounding AOL, man. Um, okay, favorite hardcore urban legend. You got one? Hmm. I remember one time, it must have been when Floor Punch was out here, like Matt Summers was telling a 
a story that I don't remember well enough, but it was like John Joseph like beat the shit out of someone and was like, "That's for not knowing what my name is." And like that's like those are like the the New York hardcore stories you used to hear. Like, damn, these guys are gnarly, you know. And like, I don't remember if that's what it is. So I, sorry for tossing someone out there, but yeah, shit like that. So I don't true know, or not true? Urban legend? Just urban legend. Yeah. Well, okay, so urban, it could be bullshit. Right. What you got? Anything, Dan? I mean, I, all of those like stories of of like, I, and most of them are kind of true, but then they they go down that telephone route, right, where they. Yeah. Where it started out as truth and then it became like bastardized, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, like just Harley like fighting half the line at like a CBGB's right. matinee show or something, yeah. or or you know all those things. But like, I prefer I prefer hearing the stories of like. I mean, they're always like gnarly fight ones, but I always like to hear the stories of. Like when a rad, like scary old dude has actually been awesome to someone in the past. Do you know what I mean? Like let them in a show or put them on or just was like super nice or something. I can't really, I really wish maybe um, now I'm all sedated after having a nice impossible burger cooked by Bert, but um, I wish my mind was working a bit better where I could just pluck things out like straight away. Like, Oh yeah, this, but, you know, I I hear some, like, last time I was in Manchester, I heard a great one from from my friend Mark uh, Bordy that I won't name who it was, but someone, hard, a bass player of a hardcore band was playing in a, uh, was dating the daughter of a Hell's Angel, uh, the leader of the Hell's Angels in the UK or something. And they he just got a knock on the door one day. Hey, we're putting these things in your garage and do not look at what they are and we'll come back. Even though this is not that hardcore related, but the story was so gnarly. He's like snuck in and like peeked inside the boxes and it's just boxes full of AK-47s. He's like, uh, you know, um, but those kind of things when, when uh, like it's very hardcore adjacent, but then you hear, you hear just some crazy story. Those are the, my favorite urban legend ones where, where 90% is true, but it's just like, how the fuck are we in the same room as these kind of people that are living this lifestyle? You know, that's the, those are the ones that for, uh, you know, the craziness of the stories, those are the ones that I enjoyed the most hearing. I just don't really want to be in those stories, <laughs> you know, Ben, you got anything? I would just hear, like, uh, in the 80s, like, Pat Dubar would kind of be the superhero to all the straight-edge kids at big, scary shows like Fenders and, like, stand up for them and, like, beat up people who are picking on them. And then I've also heard that he's, he was just, like, a jerk, so I don't... It, it's Maybe it's true, maybe it's a legend. Until we get Pat on the on the uh, pod, we'll, we'll sort that out. Yeah, I heard another... Well, see, this is weird, man. I can't be telling all these stories. But, I mean, I guess old shit, right? I heard a story once that like Casey from DI like went to Cafe de Grand and he was like super drunk and he was like bowling a bunch of people and just finally people were like we had enough. I think he 
he punched someone and then he just got like rat packed by a bunch of kids and they like fucked him up. <laughs> like it's like, like that, a grown ass man just getting beat up by a bunch of kids. It's, it's like, like that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer does ka- karate yes. and they get him in the alleyway and just lump him up. <laughs> <That's> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Joe, you got anything? Um, I got a Harley one. I have no idea if it's true or not, but supposedly like he like knocked out Dave Mustaine, like make a death in, in, in Cro-Mags were playing Fenders in like Dave's like set up my shit Rody to to Harley and Harley just like fucking knocked him out. I could I could definitely see that happening yeah. on both sides. But I don't know if that's like it, did that show really happen or is, is right. I know, mean that's yeah. why it's an urban legend, right? Yeah. Just like what's the story? Henry Rollins is some dude like chasing Motley Crue down the street. Yeah, you know like. While they had the dicks and burritos. Which is hilarious because, like, you know, <laughs> po- post my war, Motley Cruz but now better music than fucking Henry Rollins. You should have chased him down the street. No way. Because my war came out in 84, and the last good uh, crew album came out in 83, which is too fast. Um, shout out to Devil. Shout out to Devil. First of all, fucking Wild Side, that riff will fucking <laughs> melt your dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, Wildside bodies anything Henry Rollins has done post eighty four for sure. I, th- I think you got a little self opinion, man. <laughs> nice. I see what I you th- did there. I think you're a liar. <laughs> exactly, dude. You know, well, Henry is like, I'm gonna wear as much makeup as Molly Crew. You know, he probably chased him down. And was like, can I get some makeup tips? I'm gonna fucking paint myself red. You know. All right. Let's see here. Next question. How many records do each of you have? How do you sort? We did this on a episode before, so let's keep this short. Hit them archives. Uh, if you read the notes in each episode, there is one where we talk about our album organization. It's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I have probably. I I I mean, I have a little under two thousand records, I think. So, Dan, do you have any idea? Um, well, I've got. A five by five expedite, and then I have six two by fours full. And then I have a ton of records that aren't even in those yet, as well as got to have about two thousand seven inches, probably maybe maybe a fifteen hundred. But um, it's it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm under I'm under two combined now. I've and I'm trying to get everything down to a thousand. Like I'm legitimately trying because I don't need to hoard all the shit, you know. So I got a I got a few of my expedit like shit ready to sell, but I'm waiting for that right moment, you know. <laughs> but hey, hit up Stillmatic six one nine on Discogs and buy the fucking <laughs> surprise vacation record for a thousand bucks. Yeah, look look at some of those prices under Stillmatic six one nine, and then. <laughs> Then you know. Then when you wake up after you fainted, <laughs> maybe people, purchase one. People get mad, dude. They email me and they're like, "What's up with you? Like way overpricing these records? Like I don't really want to sell them, but I had some time that day, so I like listed them and I put them at a stupid price. And you know, I'm not gonna put anyone on blast, but like some people have bought stuff. You know what I mean? And like respect if you got the money and like there's one copy online. Like hey, that's what it's about. Like sorry that. You know, X amount of records went for 200 when they're probably $40 records. But I don't want to let it go for any less than that. Like, it's it's worth more than 40 for me. So, listen at two and see who bites. I don't even get out of bed in the morning for selling a record less than 200 bucks. Shit, that's what's <laughs> up. Uh, 
Ben, how big is your collection? How do you organize it? I think CDs. I have. Uh, I think I have maybe seven hundred seven inches and the same amount of LPs, uh, or I should say, just twelve inches. And I have the wrap and everything that isn't wrap separated from each other. And then for uh, CDs, I have about five thousand, and it's just anything that's not wrap A to Z, then all wrap A to Z. Then rap compilations and soundtracks, and then non-rap compilations and soundtracks. That's just how it went. Yeah, my vinyl shit is just straight up. It's guitar music, A to Z, uh, shameful 10 inches in front, then all the LPs, (laughs) and then 7 inches just alphabetical. But my 7 inches is the one that I break out my hardcore and punk. So it's like hardcore punk and then like the other shit because – one day I would love to own a jukebox and like put in all the the forty fives of like all his hit eighties songs that I love. Jeremy Lux just did that. Oh yeah, yeah. He's just bought a, a jukebox and he has like all the seven inches that him and his wife like like in there. Oh, that's so great. Shout out Lux, someone that is a smash Dan in trivia on multiple occasions, right? No, he lost every time. Oh, shout out to Jeremy Lux, loser of trivia multiple <laughs> times. Joe, what's your collection like? Um, I probably have about 120 LPs or 12 inches, two 10 inches, and maybe 37 inches. Mm. And it's kind of all just organized just as alphabetical. That's know, what's you know, up, dude. Lame. You don't need but, to be a hoarder to be punk. How about that? <laughs> I, I'm straight edge, so I have other obsessions. <laughs> you know, um, the way I break my collection out is I have. Um, a to Z on on everything. I have rap pulled aside, A to Z, and then I have um, all of the completest artists pulled out by themselves. So I collect The Fall, Oasis, Joy Division, New Order, um, The Smiths, Morrissey, Jesus and Mary Chain, Nick Cave, all of these artists like a completist that have tons and tons of records and I have them in their own uh, across a couple across a few expedites where they're all broken out and then all of the seven inches by those uh, all those completist artists are broken out into this giant carry case seven inch thing that I have that is basically the size of this giant dinner table that we're sat at right now yeah people Uh, don't start this obsession you see how shitty this is yeah it's bad yeah i just i have the guitar rock shit which is like everything rock and roll punk hardcore whatever and then i break out hip-hop i break out reggae and i break out international so those are the things that i collect otherwise and really i just did that because when i'm at home i mostly listen to reggae and international you know what i mean so you want quick grab yeah i want quick grab and and i love it so okay great question let's move on and Better workout music, hearkening back to a few weeks, Earth Crisis or Pantera? Well, Pantera's uh, sketchy and prison metal, as our boy Pops would call it. Um, no, Earth Crisis, because you, you're going you're gonna to smash drug dealers. You're going to... Um, also, you're asking me about working out. Yeah, I play soccer. <laughs> I, play, I play soccer twice a week, but... Um, Dude, you like go, I go like miles forest. through the forest like you're born a Norseman. That's true. 
That's true. All right. Reggie, Reggie gets me out and about, you know, but I still don't have the physique to answer this question. Correctly. Yeah, but it's an easy one, right? <laughs> it's because, a crisis. Like, yeah, because fence walker music sucks. And dude, who is a band that has never fence walked on any fucking opinion? That's Earth Crisis. So Earth Crisis all day. What's up, Ben? That's your choice. Earth Crisis because it's slower, so you can actually do reps in time to the music. Ah, how about that? Joe, you got a choice? Pantera, Earth Crisis? I'll just say Earth Crisis, too. Hell yeah. Okay, let's go on. This is a good one. Oh, I, I miss that. Uh, we're not going to touch this one, probably. <laughs> Top 5X straight edge agitators. You know, this pod is about positivity. The edge lords. It's not a place for it, dude. You know, there's only so much time. Um, you know, in the day to begin with, and then also definitely in the podcast, they're like, we want to talk about things we like, you know what I mean? So I don't allow that troll behavior. That's why, like, Ben gets reprimanded for ranking negative approach at 99, and Dan for ranking black flag at 100. It's fucking embarrassing. Um, but hey, it is what it is. So we mostly talk about things we love. And uh, that's it. You got a favorite X straight edge agitator? Dan? Well, I've got an X straight edge X agitator, and that's Bedge. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's like disappointing to do the top 100 records of the 80s and not have a negative approach be like top 10, but it is no. what it is. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Ben Ben's agitation is just Ben, like... Honestly, thinking the way Ben feels, no, no. the way it's, Zach is it's half, taking it, it's half agitation. that. It's half that, but it's also like, oh, I don't like the fans of those bands. It's like that's why because Native Rush still plays. Ben sees how popular they are, and he's like, oh, people don't always, you know, do their laundry at the show. And it's the same thing with why he's it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like some true punks, you know. And then uh, that's not it, yeah. And then and then also because it's the same fucking thing because it's the Poison Idea fans. There's a lot of crossover there, and it's like. Oh no! Someone uh, said something negative about the the king of punk, Ian Mackay. Like, oof! You know, there's a little bit of that. Like, you want safe, clean, hardcore, mostly. You know, like even when you like dip into like you know early Southern California punk, you still want them to like be a little handsome with like bleach blonde hair, and you want them freshly out of the shower. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't want to hear about like the fucking heroin addiction or they do coke or nothing like that. Like. That's just what I think, you know, so poison, okay. I, no poison I, I, idea and negative approach. Like they're the darker side of hardcore. <laughs> and so like, it's not fucking freshly ironed. And so you don't like it as much. Dan, you're kind of in the same boat, but you don't, you don't tip as hard. No, 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 no. I'm changing my thing. We're going to take the straight edge thing. My number one agitator is Zach retaliates. <laughs> that is the number one agitator in punk. All right. Let's move on to a really positive question that, uh, Okay. This person says, I've moved around a lot and travel for work. Any tips for finding out about shows in towns outside your hometown? That's a great question. And God, in the year 22, I don't, 2022, I've, I don't really know how to do that because it's not like the 90s, you know, where you go to, a, go to the closest yeah. record store, go to the skate shop, go to the record store and like get a flyer because, dude, like, you know, five years ago and shit, like, Take Offense would play San Diego sometimes. It's like, what the fuck? You don't, I wouldn't hear about it. I'd see like the photos on Instagram. It's like, why did no one tell me about this? You know what I mean? But it's like, if you don't follow the right person on Instagram, like, how do you find out about certain shows, right? Yeah. I mean, 
Do the chisel. Like when they came out here on tour, like my friend uh, Micah, shout out uh, Micah, friend of the pod. Um, he was like, yo, I don't have Instagram. Can you try to find out where the chisel show in Portland is? And I like went on their Instagram and they didn't even have the club posted. It's like, how do you know, dude? You know what I mean? I think, I think they didn't advertise it because the show was like the show sold out right away. So then it's like, there's no point in advertising it, but like, still it's like, fuck, you have someone that like wants to go to a show. He lives in the town for 20 years. It's hard to even find out about it. So what's up? Yeah. But the one thing I, I would say for this person asking is find out what, before you travel there, what the venues uh, that generally do the punk shows are and s- see if you can, you know, look those up by hashtags on Insta to see Ooh, you know, if they have a uh, social media presence and then um, go from there, just go down a, you know, a wormhole Um also, an easy way to maybe try and find some of this stuff up stuff out would be um, put the year that we're in or that you're in whenever you're doing this and the town or city that you're going to and show and then on YouTube and see what pops up. That's a good idea. Also, when you're in town, you know, most towns have like a free thing, you know, that has like movie times and local shit and you know, that's a place to get the club name. So Yeah, like the reader here in San Diego or Exactly. Or LA Weekly in LA, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. still a thing? Uh, barely. The reporter. The reporter it's essentially yeah, useless now. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, God, we're so fortunate. The nineties were so much easier, right? When you'd have like free scratch magazine and shit and all the club stuff was in the back. Yeah. There there'd be shit we'd miss, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's still shit you miss because there's no scratch magazine in Ventura County. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Ben, how should this dude find uh, shows? Yeah, I never even thought about some of those things that Dan was saying about uh, hashtagging stuff. But, I mean, (coughs) I would Google the town, hardcore, band, and then, it, you know, whatever, three or four of the bigger bands from that town pop up. Look them up on Instagram, see what shows they've played. They're playing with other bands. Then you have, like... At that point, you pretty much have every band that plays hardcore right, in that you can town. Rabbit hole it and yeah, and then you just you just follow all of their Instagrams. I suppose that would be a way to do it. You can also still, like, the people that work record stores are kind of knowledgeable. So you could go to the closest record store to your place and be yeah. like, yo, where are the punk shows in town? You know what I mean? And then you go to the punk show, and then you look for the cleanest person with the posi top, and then ask <laughs> that guy where the hardcore shows are. Hell yeah. And then I tell you... Well, pause top in the past. Um, the other thing is... <laughs> Look for the guy with a thinning field. <laughs> <laughs> Go to um, Whole Foods and just ask cashiers yeah, or the local Jones, coffee yeah. shop and ask the baristas. Get your hair cut and, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can't yeah. look for the psycho with tattoos anymore. That's everyone, huh? Yeah. Joe, you got any advice for this dude? Yeah, just uh, just don't go to shows anymore. <laughs> Just call it quits. Find the the local punk walking down the street. No, no, and grab all, him. all your guys' suggestions are fantastic, and, and you know, uh, especially the hashtagging thing, because that's that's a, that's a fantastic move. Because you're gonna be able to find flyers, flyers, online or, flyers, or, yeah. or um, you know, other things related to 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 the scene, and then and then. Like Ben said, and then you can rabbit hole from from there. You get you get a a launching point, and then you can just figure out from there. 
Uh, if you didn't find hardcore or punk, how do you think your life would be different? That's an impossible because like it goes back to, you know, like when you're a child, you're a child, right? You do the shit you're told, you know, maybe through junior high, high school, you start having an emerging personality. And it's like, I've been into it since then. Like my best friends are from it. Yeah. You know, even like the ancillary friends that like aren't super into it anymore. Like they were into it at one point because we were friends and they supported music we did. Like everyone touched it, right? All the important people in my life. I can't think of someone that, you know, was unaffected by it. So I, it's just an impossible question to ask. I'd be a completely different person. I don't know. Maybe I would have taken school a little more seriously earlier in life. And, nah. But I probably would have just been on, like, even though I was never straight edge, you know, until your boy turned straight edge like five weeks ago. Just kidding. Respect. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, like, hey, I might have just had a drug habit, you know? It's like having some shit you like that you do is very important, I think, right? And, like, even I think that when Daniel talks about the record collecting shit, I think it, like, sounds kind of negative. It's like, fuck, why do I have all these things? Because I don't care about things and other aspects of life. And I wish I could get rid of that too, but it's like, man, it's just a thing. It's good to have hobbies, right? It's good to have hobbies. And maybe it would have been sicker if like my hobby was jogging and like collecting records, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's hardcore is a part of me, dude. I I've, it's just a part live, breathe, uh, you know, drink it is what it is. Dan. Well, I, <clears throat> everything I've been passionate about has always had a subcultural element whether it is just from punk or hardcore or straight edge or anything. When I was liking, um, even before I knew what straight edge was, I felt that way. When I was liking, um, growing up like on the cusp or on adjacent to the Manchester scene and going to see the charlatans and the happy Mondays and stuff like that, it still had a subcultural, even though they're on major labels, it had a subcultural vibe. It was like for, the diehards really like go into those things. And I, I don't think I, and, and the way, like I liked Iron Maiden, like they had like a very, you know, strong diehard fan base. So I would have sought something out outside of punk and hardcore that I was extremely passionate about as well. Um, it, it's even like going to watch football matches in England. Like there's still like an inside language to it where the 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 true are more like dialed in and then there's the people who are just you know once in a while go or whatever and i i just know i would have searched for a diehard belonging to something that matches the same way that i feel about punk and hardcore and i still actually dabble in all those other worlds like i dj a Britpop night but it's an inside language that goes on with the people who are really passionate about it compared to the people who are on the periphery, you know? So it, I, I just would have searched, I'm sure for, and the, you know, part of like Zach talks about the collecting and the, and the almost exhibiting your participation, but the things that deliver, not to quote Marie Kondo or anything, but the things that deliver joy and like elicit passion from you, like, that would have been something that I would have thought of everywhere. You know, I, I used to have a absolute strong, I mean, I, I still have an insane amount of shoes, but I used to be really into <laughs> sneaker collecting when it was 
more of a culture and a passion. And then when the big brands realized they could just um, do a quick strike every like two weeks and just get people and then people started flipping them and stuff and it well why'd i have to sign up for some contest for you yesterday dan well, no. i'm not into it anymore except i blast all my friends and have them sign up to shoe contest so i can get a limited edition thing yeah uh, that's what i'm saying like it used to be that was all, one out of ten and all encompassing and now it's like more laser focused of what I like. That's fair. I mean, I looked at it. I was like, okay, what it had like one of the Oasis dudes on it. Yeah, it's a Liam Gallagher. Yeah, like, it's like okay, Dan uses. Okay, Ben, if your dad or dad's friend doesn't give you never mind the Bullocks when you're four years old, how, how would your life have been different? I think I was still would have been a big fan of music uh, because I already was. Uh, I don't know what music I was into oldies. So where does oldies take you? I don't know. I'd probably You'd be a swing dancing yeah, daddy. Yes, it gives me like bad flashbacks of working at Pat Holden's liquor and and Tim Holden being like, "Hey Zach, go tell those vatos out front they can't hang out there." I'm like, excuse me, uh, vatos, can you disperse, please? I'm giving you those flashbacks. Yo, the chickens are the they chickens are right oh. They used to play K Earth 101 all the time at that place, and I hated it. Like oldies are the most painful music to listen to if you have to listen to more than like 30 minutes. Hmm. Well, I like all these, and I grew up on them. I mean, I don't like, you know, every single song recorded between 1954 and 1967 or whatever, but that's the first music I was passionate about. I hate uh, that Downtown song more than everything. Oh, Petula yeah. Clark? Petula Clark. Go downtown. Yeah. Well, the, B- the B-52s covered that on their first album, so hey, that's the Herb version I've heard more. Yeah, and they're going to make all... one of Ben's most punk lists. Dude, the B-52s most punk, dog. Hey, it's all happening. <laughs> downtown <laughs> that's true i mean i'm into it sorry ben i probably would have uh maybe i would have not been straight edge who knows um but i maybe i would have gotten more into skateboarding than i ended up getting just because the same thing dan was saying like i seek out like subcultures with their own you know language and that's interesting to me and skateboarding is one of those things would skateboarding have been like if it didn't, if hardcore didn't exist, would skateboarding and punk, you know what I'm saying? Like would would the because the two rows together really, especially here in California. Right? But but this is in the exercise we're doing now. It's if I personally had never gotten into punk, so okay. both these things still exist in the world. Right. Um, and I got my first skateboard when I was eight, which is before I got into punk. So I had a skateboard. So there's that. So maybe I would have gotten more into that. I don't know. Would Ben have offended more people with 1.5 or if he was only into skateboarding he's like, you know, we should really name that uh, that era in between Pal Peralta and Tony Hawk, pro skater. <laughs> you know? No, it would be the era from, from the big wheels to the small wheels and big jeans. Right. Like right in between. Right. 89, 90. Yeah. When real skateboards the is coming on. The, the beginning uh, of the Edney's era. Yeah. 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 Uh, Joe, you got to take on this? Um. Yeah, I mean, what Dan was saying is is like true. Like, like I would have found some sort of genre that that I would fit in. Um, probably, you know, I mean, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons and shit like that. So maybe I would have like gone more that direction, and you know, and then it, musically, then in more into Iron Maiden and all that stuff. You know, that was related to all that. All, it not really related, but related enough that. It got associated with it. Yeah, um, but 
uh, there was a lot of skateboarding too, but I don't know how you separate. Like I'm trying to say is, yeah, I don't know how you separate punk and skateboarding, especially in the right, '80s. Right, right, right. Like, if you're into skateboarding, you're gonna be into punk, especially in California. So, yeah. Do you think that you go harder into drugs if there's no punk or less? Like, because uh, I, I think that would have been the same. Yeah. Regardless. So, so in a way, like punk saves you in the '90s, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's important, right? Be, if you, if, be, if be, I wouldn't, because because you're saying yeah. that you think you would have been drawn to drugs no matter what, yeah. then it's like, well, if punk saved you in the '90s from it, and there's no punk, what saves you? Yeah, like what? Like I don't know, a buck. I mean, I got a buck nine albums last year. Yeah, this will be the only <laughs> time kind of punk. This will be the, oh, right one on. of the only times that I can give Earth Crisis credit because I, you know, that I don't like them very much, but. The, the veganism thing that they brought forth. I mean, there were lots of other people that were doing that, but that's what got me to go see yeah. the guy that changed, that helped change my life. The speaker that I saw, Howard Lyman. So, and it's because of earth crisis talking about veganism. So, because I was interested in what that, what, what, what was that all about? I didn't understand it. Yeah. And so I went to see this guy speak. And then and like, when we left, I stopped, I threw my cigarettes out the window and never, Never looked back. So. <laughs> Joe's like, I'm not a smoker anymore. I'm just a litterer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's that, symbolic, though. No, I know. I know. That, that, I know. that part of the story does suck. And and, it was two packs too, because they had and, Marlboro Reds and Newports, and it fell right on top of the uh, bold seven inch that uh, Rob Moran <laughs> threw out the car window on the 405. Yeah, yeah I can't. I it can't. was on the 405. Oh my god, it was the same part of the. I can't. I cannot shame you. At because, the Skirball Center. Yeah, I can't shame you because how many CDs did I throw out the window all across the country <laughs> roadside <laughs> well those cigarettes landed on top of the bold seven inch and then the stage diver from iguanas landed on top of the cigarettes that's <laughs> <laughs> right that's right okay let's see ba, ba, ba. Uh, what noodles picked it up yeah what scene is the most exciting right now um i still think the bays the hotbed you know like what those dudes do is so interesting like i wish gulch wouldn't break up i think i i wish they would take a hiatus or something because those songs are so interesting, and I have zero idea where they would go next, and I would really love to hear it. And then I just think that, like, it's so creative, right? Drain just recorded the second LP. I haven't heard it yet. Can't wait to hear it. They're living like that Cali dream. Dude, Cali hardcore band, and you're on fucking Revelation. Then you're on Epitaph. Like, live the dream, dude. I love it. And then, uh, you know, Tsunami's still bringing the heat, king of that style right now, uh, to the point where... I see some bands jumping up, you know, that seem like they're aping the whole style. You know what I mean? So, Shout Volcano. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> dropping it. Dropping it. But, yeah. Um, Dan, most exciting scene right now. Uh, the Bay Area is really rad because I, I go to shows there as much as I can. And it's... That's why it's rad? No, 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 no. I'm saying the, you want to meet Dan. No, that's the, right. Well, that is right. But no, the the way that they're um, the people behind putting on the shows and in all the bands and doing all this, they're really like built a scene from from not much to being aped all over the world, and and that's really impressive and. The shows are multi, um, like a total multiplicity of a million different styles of people all 
in the same room having a great time with no schism at all, which is really great to see. Um, and old and new, right? Like Powerhouse yeah. is back. Oh, yeah. You got like RJ's around, Lux is around, you know, the Powerhouse heads are around, like mixing with young kids. And it's like, it's sick. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm talking about like like the Tsunami Big Boy and Field of Flames dudes being like some of the elder statesmen at these right. Cupertino oh, shows. Fair, fair. And like, 14 year olds are not coming to the shows and having great time and being looked after. So yeah, that rules. That's really cool. And then, um, you know, we've enjoyed a lot of records coming out of Europe, both UK and, um, like France lately, um, which we'll, we'll go on to discuss in a minute, but, um, last couple of years, like the whole, chubby and chisel stuff and and some of the other bands um is around the flex that. associated with them yeah there's the flex are from leeds um <clears throat> and they also have tom from liverpool in the band who has done violent reaction and rated x so because that the, last record is ill we got to so talk it, we got to talk it at some point so yeah. it's not just on the year end shit yeah we absolutely have to um but yeah, some of the stuff coming out of there where there's a lot of bleed over from the different hardcore scenes and including that n- new band out of Newcastle too. Just uh, good stuff coming out of there. Uh, obviously, I get hip to it by friends from home and stuff like sometimes. And But yeah, I, I echo you. The Bay is just on top. Also, the Pain of Truth like, and, and those bands from like the, I suppose, it's tri- like PA in upstate New York area, like yeah, yeah. ish, you know. Yeah, yeah, because like things. the Pain of Truth, Gridiron, and then also like their the the brotherhood they got with like the Neverending Game dudes. Yeah, the Detroit you know stuff. I mean? Yeah, and then also the um, Idaho stuff, which is Knocked Loose, uh, Inclination, and all those bands. No, that... you're talking about Kentucky. Oh, uh, that's what. God, what did... you got to mixed up with uh, with Ingrown from Idaho? Yeah, the Kentucky uh, bands where they all. You know, there's at least one or two in each other's bands, similar to the Bay, where there's one of two dudes from every band in each band. Yeah, it's called yeah. a scene. It's like every scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben or Joe, you got anything on this? Or got, should we move on to our back I, to the music? I was going to say UK as well because you got Chubby and the Gang, uh, Rated X. You got that band Boss that I, we talked about, I believe, on the podcast uh, before. We did. Jonah Falco yeah. is in that band, and yeah. he produces. He's a Canadian guy, but he produces a lot of the. Uh, these UK bands. He lives in London now. Right, I think. right. Yeah. yeah, he lives in. He's a. He's at least a, a, a resident of the UK. Um, and then, <laughs> Jesus Christ! How, how punk is this podcast when there's rolling cans coming through, chickens moshing in the background? I mean, it'd be punker if it was a PBR and not a a diet Shasta root. Just beer. say it's a PBR. No one will know. Crown Court. Are they still around, or is that a, is that old old news? Anyway, old news. news, All right, Joe, you got anything? Um, Yeah, there's a scene in this uh, town called Oxnard. That's That's pretty pretty solid (laughs) right now. That's going to birth the Out of Trust LP this year or early next year. Whenever we get the vinyl back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's it's done. 2026. Yeah, yeah, 2027. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Um, We are going to talk the Click demo, and this is called Looters in Paradise. This thing sounds savage. The first song, like when he's like kind of freestyling in the beginning and then it drops and like comes in, it's like, oh, this shit is savage as fuck. 
I like listening to this a lot. Again, it's like more modern, moshy, hardcore, heavy, you know, but keeps my interest most of the way. There's one song that I didn't pull it out, but I like when they, they keep me on my toes, you know, more tempo changes, keeping the song short. That's where they excel. They have one song that's a little dronier and it, it harkens back to a lot of like the 90s metalcore. That might be what they're going for. It's not my uh, it's not my preference, but um, but like man, that first song is, is savage. And there's other moments of this thing that I I love. I think this is great. Um, I love the imagery. I love some of the sample stuff. Dan, you got to take on this. Yeah, it fucking rips. It's uh, really really savage, as you say. It's channeling like what modern mosh heavy music is but then it does bring in a little bit of that like bloodlet almost like 90s like deep kind of dronier messing around with like I won't say messing around with timing as much as some of those bands did but um, I really I really like it it's very aggressive um, cool samples I like um, the song Rack Everything you, That You Need, just telling you to steal whatever you need to get by in life. Fuck so, society. So I'm not at the, the San Francisco Super 7, right? Yeah, not there or at the um, <laughs> at the merch tables of the bands that come through. But other than that, Rack Everything <laughs> That You Need. Um, I love that at the end it goes into I'm Your Puppet, but sounding so like... I mean, a shout out to Zach hating oldies, but it goes into I'm your puppet and um, it sounds like the record is warped and like dying and it's kind of cool. Yeah, that part is almost cool, but like, dude, that is my least favorite hardcore trope right now. Like that every band has like a song that cuts and plays like an oldie or plays like a singing song. Everyone does it, dude. And I think we got to go back to, did someone do it before TUI? Oh yeah. Um, Hardcore? Emo core Indian summer did that shit with like Bessie Smith or whatever. Yeah, that's on Ben's list. See, on mine. Hey, yo, it's not on my <laughs> list. Like, you know, we got ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go back. I think Ty when they they cut that song, it's like the Welcome to Baltimore, where every day is an open door or whatever. Which is is it's wild because like this trope is done by literally all my favorite bands. You know, so I'll hear it on a record that I'm loving, and it's like, ah, they did it too. You well, know? it's really prevalent because POI is like really like showing people like how to produce this stuff. But the uh, the interesting thing about this, apparently, when Click just played in at the X Bar in Cupertino, they had loaded up on their like pedal like this to do it live. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, the future is here, dude. Yeah, um, but you know, I. I'm just like that um, band that we just reviewed from Newcastle, where they they said it's they started sampling to break the monotony. Wise it, up, <laughs> yeah, wise up. When they said to, they used that sample where they said to break them, you know, keep it strictly hardcore to break the monotony, you know, uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't mind it. Like it is an overdone trope, but I like it in this Refused. case in particular. Yeah, well, yeah. But I, like, I'm okay. Like, I don't know. Just the singy thing is what gets me right. Like, if you come off it like a gridiron song, you're going into a beat. I'm okay with that, right? Or even like the wise up stuff, I'm okay with that because that's like not super played out yet. 
you know, but that singing shit coming on off the hardcore songs is, I don't know. It's just a trope I'm, I'm not a fan of, but obviously everyone is. So I'm just I, an idiot on an island. So whatever. <laughs> I think Hoven's voice on this is raw as Hell fuck. Yeah, like shredded, drawn out, angry, really angry. And, you know, goes along with the, like, you know, the, the, the samples advocating violence, etc. It just is a whole vibe. It's um, it's a whole vibe of a POC band that fucking is ripping, and I love it. Yeah, I th- I think that like you know generally for this style, I want like a a really well produced monotone band. Generally, is like what I like for this. But yeah, there's there's like a level of of anger and passion that comes through this one that that is like very unique to it. And that's like, you know, shout out to the engineer and shout out to the band, right? Like I think they went for an intentional sound and they got it. Like it's really good. Um, Ben, tell us all the reasons why you hate this record. Well, I referred to the singing as monotone, low pitched yelling, but you like monotone, but we agree that this is, that's what this is. Um, I, uh, above the sanity is like chug mosh. I don't know. That's the term I use, but I guess that's, Maybe I can coin that too and write a giant article about it. Um, <laughs> then rack everything that you need has that is, is kind of the same idea, but it's got that. Would you call that a blast beat? The intro, the first part of that song, the super fast part, is that blast or scissor? I don't know, dude. I don't have it in front of me. Okay, fuck, dude. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about this record here. Uh, can you have like? Are we gonna posi Chris timestamp it? You know, between, the beginning of the song between zero 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 between <laughs> oh oh one and. And O ten, yeah, is probably. that the youth crew beat or a variation? <laughs> um, but the pack has more Juds than Winona or Naomi. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> and then save us from your life has Earth Crisis Firestorm sorts of Juds. Very Juddy. Jud would be another thing, uh, synonym for Chug. Do you prefer Jud or Chug? I mean, well, Jud was used by a, a classic silly band, right? Yeah, the Jud Jud Seven Inch. Joe, you got to take on this. Are you done? Uh, I was just saying He's that. Trying to save everyone. <laughs> I was saying that that Frosty would approve of that old school jam. Uh, uh, I'm your puppet by James and Bobby Purify. <laughs> Shout out Frosty. Joe, you got to take on this. Um, yeah, so I just wrote the heavy. It's a super pingy snare. The drummer does rule though. Um, I like the throaty vocals with this music. I think it fits very well. I don't know what Ben's talking about, but um, I hear a bit of, you were talking about the droney song, and so that that stood out to me the most. Um, very, you know, Souls at Zero, Neurosis-ish feel to it with that, you know, that with style. But Modern hardcore. With, with, yeah, 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 with modern hardcore. Um um, maybe even like a little His Heroes Gone kind of stuff too, a little dystopian kind of, you know, wasteland feel, whatever, you know, some profane existence stuff or something. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. The pack, that's the song. Yeah, I wrote it down, so now I see my notes. I got my vans on. Right on. Okay, so this rules. Everyone, check out all these songs on the playlist, 185milesouth.com. Uh, check out the playlist at the top of the page. And let's do the last thing we're going to do is Syndrome 81, the album. I'm going to pronounce it wrong because I believe they're a French band. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. French. Yep. They're from France. Prisons Imagineris. Um, 
Yeah, guess, LP. guess what it means. What imaginary prison? Yeah, uh, came out in the year this year, twenty twenty two, and this thing is sick, dude. And I don't know too much that sounds like it. If I'm talking about this in caveman brain lane, um, I'm saying it's a mashup of uh, I'm dude long COVID. It's no fun. Dan, what's the I choose to lose the band you love? High Viz. It's like High Viz mashed up with Blitz. Um, yeah. And it's sick. I love it. It's like, it's so ill. It never gets to the point of being too polished, even though, like, the guitar lines are very pretty. There's, like, some it's heavy, heavy melody on this, but it's always, like, they're they're never taking, like, a toe off, like, being punk, right? Like, they're reaching out as far as they possibly can, but they still got, like, a toe touching the punk lane at all times, so... I love that. It's it's still like, I don't know. It still sounds gnarly. No matter how like out of the lane they're taking it into the pretty world, like it's still punk. So that's why I think about this. This LP rules. I absolutely love it. And uh, Dan, you love it too, right? Yeah, we are at the midpoint of ja- uh, July. In, so we've passed the midpoint of the year, and this is my record of the year so far. I absolutely love this. Um, it the first song, Vive et Mourir, is I think Live or Die or Life or Death, or Life and Death, or something like that. Something my my five years of taking French went up from eleven <laughs> to sixteen, uh, uh, trying to attempt. Dude, it's better than the second song. It looks like it's a song about your titties. <laughs> How dare Dan's you? Dan's breast. <laughs> Fuck. Don les Rue de Brest, which is my favorite song on the LP, which is very melodic and uh, super good. What I would say is this sounds like Blitz, and I, I do like the, the nod to High Viz in, in regards to what that is, but I would say it's like Blitz meets the Wipers. Yeah, which is very similar, right, in the yeah. way that, not that they sound anything sonically, but it's like you could say the Wipers, you could say that, I love that band, Milk Music, you could say High yeah. Viz, right, where there's there's one guitar dude that's doing guitar shit the entire yeah. time, but it's not offensive. It's not the guitarist from Atari doing an octave every. That poor guy. Gets, I know. I love that guy. He gets tarred and feathered every part. Yeah. If you're ever in San Diego, uh, octave guy from Atari, like hit me up. I will take you to dinner. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I owe you one. I don't, I don't mean to have you be a whipping boy. We all know that uh, the only shitty thing associated with that record label is Chris Kelly and a stupid face. Uh, you're straight up like the man, dude. My bad. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> but yeah, there is there is a lot of inventive leads that are not excessively pulling you away from how great the songs are. Um, there's rad like punk aggression, but it's so tuneful at the same time, just the same way Blitz were able to capture that. Um this is a long LP, and I, I want to put it on again when it's done. That's the ultimate compliment for anything in this genre of music, where some of these songs are three to four minutes long, and I, I still want to listen to the whole thing again. It's absolutely incredible. Um, it's for anyone who who is you know looking for something new, like check this out. You're going to love it. Hey, Absolutely y'all got, love it. Y'all got ears or what? <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah, for real. <laughs> you know, Ben, what's your take on this? Yeah, this this band is from Breast, and when I was a kid, I used to always get a chuckle 
out of the fact that there's a town called Brest. Because yeah, well, Zach still gets a chuckle out of it, and he says that my breast, well, which says, is a sore subject. It says Dan, right? Yeah, it says Don, which means in, but it does say Dan's if you're reading it. Okay. <laughs> you know. Dan's and breast. I, and unfortunately, I, I'll, I'll admit, I slightly do have breasts. No, dude, it's like it's a fat joke, but it's like I'm one of you, so it's on, dude. Right? Right. It's like, yeah, you can say racial slurs if you belong to that racial group. Sure. We know that rule. I mean, me and Dan look almost alike, you know? Like stunning. It's t- it, it's <laughs> it's amazing. I I showed a picture of you two to to my girlfriend yesterday and I said, "They look like twins, don't they?" And she goes, they definitely look like brothers. I don't know if they look like twins. And I said, they didn't used to look the same. I don't I'm, remember them I'm the same. Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the Danny DeVito. Let's be real. Dan is way older. You know, I'm an 80s baby. You know, January 1980. What's up? I'm old as shit. 1970s babies. Fucking one toe in the grave. That's right. Fucking old as shit. Ouch. Uh, Syndrome 81. Uh, catchy, chorusy, anthemic, melodic punk music. With what sounds like a terrifying French skinhead shouting vocals in French over this catchy, chorusy, anthemic, melodic punk music. Oh, well, I should be happy that three-fourths of this rules. Helen from the Violators, we need you. <laughs> you know, ben, ben ranks it above negative approach, but below tiebreak. Uh, Joe, you got a take? <laughs> no, this is below negative approach. Um, yeah, so I noticed the artwork. That's the first thing that grabbed my, my attention. Um, I really love this cover. Um, canceled. Yeah. You think so? (laughs) No, it's got the, uh, you know, like this crying tears thing that turns into this river. It's super cool. cool And the, the colors that they chose are like really cool. Like, like all that I've been, you know, we've been in the middle of deciding for the auto trust record. So I'm looking at you know, album covers in detail these these past couple of days. Almost so, has a little Art Deco yeah, vibe and, to and it, and that's too. that was the other thing. That was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Um, we just agree a lot on this stuff. So yeah, um, the intro guitar riff. You know, after listed, this is the last thing I listened to on the list. And so, when the guitar intro starts on that first song, I'm like, oh, this is totally different. <laughs> so I, I was really happy. Um. That there was just some some variety. I liked all the other stuff we listened to, but um, I was trying to figure out the lyrics. Listening to, I'm like, what? I don't understand anything he's saying. And then, and then later on, I looked up that it, that they were French. I'm like, oh, well, that's why. Okay. <laughs> Usually, I can't pick out lyrics anyway, but like this was like I couldn't p- pick out anything. You didn't understand the line about Dan's titties. <laughs> <laughs> Say magnifique. Yeah. avec <laughs> moi. That's all I know. Um, that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and like Dan said, like I listened to this. I wanted to listen to it again and again and again. So um, this is this has got the most play for me out of everything that we listened to, that we've listened to for that we talked about on this pod. It was really good. Yeah, this thing rules. Okay, uh, everyone, we're over two hours. We're gonna wrap it up. Thank you so much for the support since this podcast started. This is episode 185, and that rules. Thank you for getting us here. And number one, thank you to the Patreons. Put your money where your mouth is. Much appreciated. Just so everyone knows, $1 gets behind the paywall. And next week, we do not have a regular episode. We are starting to go every other week. So 
that is what's up. But there will be a Patreon. So if you if you miss the sound of Dan's voice that much, you know, smash that Patreon button. And uh, yeah, we're and for this we'll uh, we'll wrap this up and we're gonna finish the questions over there. But uh, we appreciate your support, Dan. Any last words? Um, just thank you to anyone who participates in the 185 conversations when we post things on Instagram slash Facebook and we, you know, pose you lot a question. It is so en- endearing and rounds out the entire process of or meaning of why we do this because it is talking about the thing we love, which is punk rock and hardcore and the fact that. You participate, have opinions, call us out, yell at us, or just bring something to the table, add a question, like talk about a record. We fucking love that stuff. So keep it up. We love you. Yeah, I mean, almost every single record that's on the list today that we talked about is all like users submitted, you know, or friends of us submitted. You know, that's how we discover shit, right? We're lucky that we have a big enough network that people say, hey, have you heard this? You got to hear this. Ben, final words. Congratulations. Zach Nelson on 185 episodes of 185 Miles South. And congratulations to all the regulars on the show, uh, Dan especially, and, you know, Joe and Anthony Papalardo and Posse Chris, et cetera, et cetera. Clevo. Clevo, of course. Steph. Stu. Stu. Been a minute for Stu. Yeah. And shout out to Posse Chris for not being able to be here to talk syndrome 81 which he loves even more than i love it i think yeah yeah Yeah, we did 185 episodes one a week you know we never missed a week it's pretty wild um joe was episode one joe closing thoughts for this week um thanks for having me back um it's been a minute um you know life is in session so uh, could make them some of the ones you guys asked me to do but um i'm really glad to be here I'm really glad to Bert for opening his home to us to let us do this. I'm glad to the chickens over here mm-hmm. and the duck and the uh, the parakeets or whatever those are. Yeah, those are parakeets. Shout out um, to the Costa Rican people for yeah, making us feel so yeah. well. Shout out to all these toucans. We're here at the Santa Barbara or uh, San Diego Zoo and uh, what was her name? Joan, someone. <laughs> Goodall. No, that's Jane oh, Goodall. Oh, that's the Jane, gorilla. Yeah. Uh, Joan, someone, she was always on David Letterman with people, uh, I don't remember. animals yeah. from the San Diego Zoo, right? Anyway. Yeah. Okay, boomer. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm really proud of you, Zach, and the whole team making 185. I know you've wanted to call it quits multiple times, and it's actually more than 185 episodes because there's all the Patreons, too. It's probably 220 or somewhere in there, 230. Um, I meant to count them up, but then I got I lost track. So if we went to the Patreon <laughs> section of the website, they're all numbered. So yeah, we could find out pretty quick. Yeah, somebody do that and then uh, post on the uh, on Instagram. Ben'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> my phone's gonna die. Otherwise, I'd do it right now. But anyway, yeah, thanks Dan and Ben for carrying the weight. A lot of times, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I love you as much as I hate you. So that's cool. <laughs> Shout out to Ben for rolling with the punches and that they come thick and fast often. I catch my own amount of flack, but yeah, but, I, but, I slide under the radar but a But that's the bit. greatest gift of 185. Ben learned how to take a joke in the last couple of years. That's true. It was like a serious life-like thing that happened to Ben. He's like, oh, 
I just got to learn how to let it roll off me, and then people really like me. It's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like all you, all I had to do all this time was take a joke, and and everyone's gonna love me. Ben, it's this true. is your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we just we should say that. Shout out to episode one hundred forty nine point five. Hell yeah, one eighty four point five. Shout out to fo- <laughs> COVID brain. Shout out oh to the listeners. God, dude, it's real. <laughs> Shout out to episode one for coming all the way from Oxnard to record this. What a legend. And yeah, thanks again to Bert from, you know, opening his home and the animals, uh, you know, providing some extra color commentary on the uh, pod. The noodles. Yeah, shout out to Smelly. Shout out to Noodles. Shout out to uh, Johnny, Johnny Condom. Squirrel. <laughs> you know, Squirrel from uh, Billingsgate. And uh, yeah, shout out Bert. Everyone, if uh, you enjoyed this episode, buy a record from Safe Inside Records. Yeah. And uh, to support Bert and Aaron Cooley, my, uh, my suggestion for the Battle Royal. Uh, those are the two guys that run Safe Inside. So what's up, Hamill Business? Dan, where can people find you? On Instagram, at Southport Instagrammer. Ben, where can the people find you? On Instagram at Cold Chillin Book. Joe, where can the people find you? On Instagram at Burning Joe. All right, everyone. If my COVID brain doesn't fail me, you can get in touch with me 185 miles south at gmail.com. That is the best way to get a hold of me. I respond to everything. Also, 185 miles south on Instagram and Twitter. That is a fine way to get a hold of me. Maybe the DMs <laughs> get a little wonky. I might not get back to you. But uh, whatever, whatever's easiest for you. Also, personally, I'm Zach Retaliate on Instagram. And you know, Retaliate is the best on Instagram. Yo, get that 90s cred up. Order that Retaliate CD. Handle business. Y'all know us up. And we'll talk to you on Patreon next week. And we'll talk to everyone else in two weeks. Talk to you soon.